You're listening to the Opie and Anthony channel on Sirius XM. The Ron and Fez show starts. Come on. Now! Buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show. We are live. Wednesday. Our guest, 28th, 2013. It's 
a big Labor Day weekend coming up. Today is uh, 50 years since the I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King. Uh, I believe Earl's going to have something up on the iBank about his feelings about it. Maybe we can get Earl on the phone today. As if he has a phone. I'm not even 100% sure. He used to have um, an old school phone. Like the Gordon Gecko style, but I don't know. I think he didn't pay the bill. Earl's going to write. You know, Earl, I believe, was there standing next to Dr. King. How old is Earl? You never ask a black man that. We never know their age. It's scary. He says it don't crack, and I don't even know what he means by that. Uh, are we going to try to reach him? Mm-hmm. Good. Well, lots going down today um, in honor of Dr. King's 50 years since... Uh, the I Had a Dream speech. Uh, at 3 o'clock today, everybody's going to be ringing bells. 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We'll be off the air then, but Chris, I want you to have the interns come in with like bells. The ones that we normally make them do at Christmas and just ring them okay. around us. Doable. I'll have to get those out of storage, though. Why are they in storage? The Christmas bells. I mean, once Christmas is over. I want everything up year-round. Christmas tree. I don't know who's mouth-breathing more today, you or Fez. <laughs> but there is a... It's going back and forth. <sighs> <laughs> there is such a lack of oxygen in this building today. There is not a lack of oxygen. There's the same amount of oxygen as every other day. I don't know whether people are nervous and upset over the I Have a Dream thing, but... All right, I got my man Earl on the phone today. He did uh, write up something from his point of view on Dr. King. Earl, how are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. How are you? How's everybody? I had no idea this. Uh, Martin Luther King, you're a fan. Yeah, huge. Huh? Huge, 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 huge fan. Um and the whole King X thing. I mean, I liked them both. But I was like, I was always a, a King guy. See, I was always an X guy, you know, because of the hats. <laughs> Back of my phone has You're X right. on it. Oh, you do have a Malcolm X uh, phone. But Earl doesn't. And plus, you know, Earl, uh, I always like to say X marks the spot. <laughs> and Generation X uh, was probably my favorite of all the wrestlers. Uh in honor of Dr. King, John Voigt's going to be on the show a little later on today. Joe Book! Oh, this is exciting. Everybody's talking on me. He's on that uh, Showtime show that we don't get to see in New York City. Ray Donovan. Oh, oh this blackout is awful. You know what? I don't even miss it, Earl. I'm going to be totally honest with him. But I, I feel like you could take TV away from me now, and I wouldn't care. You can take whatever away from me. I just can't be hurt by life anymore. I'm beyond that. No, no it's just so remarkably... It's like, it's like two two titans are just fighting over shekels. It's so ridiculous. It is. It's embarrassing. Our money, by the way. Our money. Um, Earl, 50 years since Martin Luther King's I Had a Dream speech, I saw 
in one of the online polls, and you know that it's real since it's an online poll, only one in four black people feel like things have even improved in the last 50 years, despite the fact that we now have a black president uh, ready to start a three-day war against Syria. I mean, one in four, I thought that number was alarmingly low. Um, you think it? Ha- you, know, you think things have improved in fifty years? Well, you don't. <laughs> well, we don't have you know the separate bathrooms, you know, separate water fountains. We don't have you know. You can basically marry who you want now. You can. Um, the, the, the racism isn't as open and broad. I mean, it's definitely more subtle. I, I think just the opposite. I think in the last couple of years, there's been more. I've seen more overt racism um, since I left Philly. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> Philadelphia was always a pretty. That area was always pretty racist. But uh, I see people. Maybe it's the internet, but people seem oh, to be very comfortable with racism these days. No, it, I mean it's it's it. I think it is the internet, absolutely internet, because you don't, you know, in that during that time, you were on camera. I mean, the only time you really you were on camera, you had interactions with it. What made that movement so powerful was that it was, you know, I have dream speech was televised. All three networks carried it. Um, various news reports they carried. You know, when people got hosed and dogs that you know, get sick on them and, you know, when the students would go, when black students were trying to get into college, you saw the kids yelling at them. You had to put a face to it. And with the Internet, you know, all you could do is post something. <laughs> There's no name. You can post something. Right, so here would be the question. Uh, were people less racist during the Internet or now you can just hear... Their racism. Well, you can hear it. I mean, you can definitely hear it in hearing what they write, hear what they post. I mean, then you had to. You it was it was cut and dry. You you had you had more face to face interactions. And on the internet, you communicate with a bunch of people and not really see them and talk with them and and have a real conversation with them. I have so, a I have a very uh, good friend who used to be very liberal. Uh, and now has said that they're less, far less liberal. I'll say neoconservative, because of the uh, of blacks and their inability to uh, kind of have had family values. That black families have fallen apart. Um, Higgs, you yeah. appalled by this? I, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, that's that sounds. That's why you're you're conservative now because you think black you think black families are falling apart. Well, they have the, the, they haven't uh, the the reason of crime and all that kind of stuff yeah. is because they haven't embraced family yeah. values and it's you know it's a more complicated thing than that. But that, from an intellectual point of view, they were actually saying to me that the separate but equal thing might have been better for black people. As well as white people. Well, I mean, there's parts of that I disagree with. I mean, everyone's saying, well, the black family is this and the black family is that. But how can you say that when divorce for everybody 
it's over 60 percent yeah i i understand that but the black fathers not being with the children is incredibly high earl i don't have the stats in front of me i wish we i didn't know we were going to go in this direction but it's incredibly high uh the prisons the amount of young black men in prison incredibly high i mean these are major problems that we have to somehow get a handle on yeah, there, there, there's some serious, serious, serious problems. I mean, and it's across the board. It's, we got education problems. We got societal problems. Definitely a crime problem. Um, but there's also still this, you know, and having kind of lived this with a friend of mine. There's this huge gap between what happens in, in the courts and as far as sentencing. There's still a huge racial disparity on that. Like. Whereas whites would get X sentence and blacks would get Y sentence. Well, uh, there's a there's a reason why there's more black people in jail. Um, not just because they're committing more crimes, but again, it's a lot. It's a much deeper conversation. And but you know, I wish I had numbers in front of me. Just like me, uh, Earl. But there also seems to be a thing. Don't you think with a lot of young black men, they kind of know sooner or later they're going to do a little bit of time. Like, there's almost an acceptance um, with a lot of young black guys that sooner or later they're going to be in jail for some amount of time. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a deep question. Um, it is. is there, you know, are we more criminal minded? I, I don't know. Like, um, and I think, like, just living here in New York City, like, I saw one stat on stop and frisk where the youngest person to be stopped and frisk in New York City is eight years old. That's adorable. No. What? <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, but think about it. It's like, maybe that's the reason. I don't know. But, I, I don't know. Maybe just you, so you think alive, it just has to do with Whitey again? No, not at all. It, it, it's, again, it's a much deeper thing than All right, I here mean, we go. Uh, Hicks just pulled this up. In 2011, this 67% of African-American kids... Under 18 are raised in single-parent families. It's a pretty high number, Earl. It's a, it's, an, it's a crazy high number. No, you were raised by but, your grandmother, who you call Mama. No. no. <laughs> but that does seem to be... I mean, we know that there are a lot of grandmothers raising kids. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> that, without question. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm kind of in that anomaly where my parents, I was raised by two parents, you know, and they're still married. You, you got one of the coolest dads of all time, Earl. Big Earl's <laughs> amazing dude. Yeah, like, you know, I, you know, when I grew up, it was a time where, you know, you had two parents. You know, you had long marriages. But, but again, the point, I got to point out again, there are no long marriages. You know, 60, over 60% of every marriage doesn't work. So, I don't know what the percentage of you know, white kids being raised by single parents or divorced parents. I don't know. But Let's I, see. I'm looking at it here. Two percent. All right. So that's a big, big no. difference. All right. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe we'll go. Uh, we got about 45 minutes before John Voight. Maybe we'll get into some old school type talk radio. Uh, eight six six. Ron Zero Fez, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let's just say straight out, race in America, are we better off or worse off than we were about the years ago? And uh, 
What can we do about it? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. I know one thing. In my lifetime, I've never heard white people whine and complain the way they do now. I've never heard white people be as fatalistic as the future as they are now. Uh, It seems like white people don't feel like the country will ever get back to this, whatever this dream thing they had about it years ago. But the whole American dream for white people seems to have fallen behind. I hear a lot of belly aching. A lot of belly. Yeah, well, you know, it's that whole like this whole notion of the disintegration of the middle class, mm-hmm. and and I always felt that you know, you know, blacks had a different take on what was happening to middle class because you know we there's a whole percentage of people who were just trying to get there. We were just trying to get there. Yeah, and there you know now I mean? there doesn't even exist anymore. You gotta you gotta yeah. leap over middle class and get to Jay Z. You know what I mean? Like it's either Jay Z or the street. But I will um I will also say this, and I don't think it's anything that he did, but since Barack Obama has become uh president, I think I hear more racism almost I'd have to go back to busing from from the seventies. Uh, since I've I've heard this kind of out loud uh, racism. Yeah, oh, um, I remember when uh, we were on the air tonight. Obama got elected, and I remember distinctively saying, "Like, did like him, dislike him, success or failure." And people are going to show their true ass with this president. <laughs> Whether have, like, the feelings on race are going to come right out. You like, you ended up being correct, and for me, I thought. It was almost the end of racism. And I remember there had even been talk and things written about it that this was a, we were now living, going to live in a post-racism society because we're like, hey, we got a black president. How could we possibly have racism? Uh, Let's take some of these calls. Here's JW in Ohio. You're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ron. Yeah. I kind of agree with you there. I think that whites and blacks were getting along until Obama was elected. And everybody had to say, and I'm a Republican, but he's president. And I agree to, you know, he's our president. we got to get behind him. But it seems like every issue, he makes it about race. And Give me one specific, because I'm very curious about that. Okay. As far as, okay, like when, when he was elected, and they had, him and McCain had that meeting, and, you know, elections have consequences. Blah blah blah. Then he interjects himself into the Trayvon Martin case. But that—that's a full five years later. And I, I believe me, this country has made way okay. bigger deal out of the media. I'll just say this: has made a way bigger deal out of the Trayvon Martin case than it yeah. ever fucking deserved to be. Right, and you're absolutely right, Jack. But like when Obama took over. If you remember, as soon as Obama, Obama became president, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton had to take a back seat. The blacks and the whites all probably agreed together. I know I did that they were irrelevant anymore. We had to listen to their everything that you know, like the Kalana Brawley and things like that. We had to listen to all that from them. Then when Obama took over as president, 
I thought we made a lot of progress. Everybody thought we made progress. And it just seems like we're more separated now than we ever were. Yeah, um, I, I there's some of that that I would agree to you, although I don't know if I agree on the specifics. Uh, when I hear that the president is overtly racist or averse, overtly, uh, you know, uh, pro-black, I can't think of a single move that he's made for the black community at all. I can't yeah, think of the, the Well, I was... Well, I was, was going to interject was that the black community, they, they're they kind of scratching their heads on this guy. Because he had, there's been a, a large section that has said, it's like, wait a minute, what about us? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he, he hasn't done a single thing that is overtly, like, that he hasn't been, I hate to use the term, he hasn't been black enough. You know what I mean? Or that there wasn't enough black power in the presidency. You um, know what I mean? It, it, it's kind of... You know, in the Trayvon Martin case, and I'll go back a couple of years. I remember uh, when Henry Gates got arrested for breaking into his own house. Oh yeah. I mean, he interjected. He got interjected into that. Frankly, he was asked about it. <laughs> you know yeah, that, I mean? that always like, becomes a uh, situation. I saw something online the other day about the Australian kid being killed, and it it said. Obama finally breaks his silence on this case. I mean, breaks his silence. Why would the president of the United States be talking about any specific murder case? We have murder in this country all the time. Um, why are they questioning him about this or that? I'm, I, 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 I'm sometimes stunned what we think is such a big deal. Here's um, I, uh, of like the president should be commenting on it. Here's Chris in Charlotte. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, I'll, I'll try yeah. not to be all over the place on this, but this is kind of a... I'm, I'm a, a white Republican, full disclosure, but you know, I think if you track back in history, when Lyndon Johnson started a great society, um, I mean, you can really see a, a downfall, and you were talking about families earlier, and it seems like that, you know, the, the, the black community obviously has chosen sides. They're going to be with the Democrats, because they, they have thrown literally trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars into, you know, you want to call uh, subsidized housing, things like that. But, you know, I, I think the black intellectuals really need to start stepping up and moving away from Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. All right, let, let's, let, let's stop and talk about that for a second. When have you ever seen Al Sharpton pull big numbers? I will answer it for you. Never. I mean, if you look at these Martin Luther King pictures, it was incredible the type of people that would come out for him. Al Sharpton has never drawn numbers. It was him uh, driving around on buses with uh, some old ladies from his wandering church, because I don't even think he had one set church in New York. He's, He's not, never yeah, he been is. a big leader, ever, except for he gets on MSNBC. Yeah, Al Sharpton represents the National Action Network, which is based in Harlem. Period. <laughs> he doesn't represent all black people. He doesn't. He doesn't represent, you know, this large populace. He runs for office. I, he's I, drawn low numbers. He's drawn low numbers. You know, Jackson, when, when he even had the Trayvon March, uh, Trayvon Martin uh, marches, black people did not show up for that. There was three hundred people in New York City, and Jay Z was there. 
and it still didn't draw numbers. Yeah. And, and well, in you know, Reverend Jesse Jackson, he had a shot. He he drew like, fifteen million votes in nineteen eighty four, but he represents you know he represents um, Operation Breadbasket, the Operation Push. Those guys represent their individual organizations, uh, but outside of the run in eighty four, Jackson was. Chicago, you know, he, he was Chicago, parts of the South, but that's about it. I, what I get upset about is people are equating Jesse and Reverend Al to all of us, and, they, and that is far from the case. Uh, because you're saying there's no more, it would be like saying uh, that there's white leaders, and there isn't. You know what I mean? Like, no, well, one well, rep- I mean, no one represents white people in America because white people would never have that. You know, uh, yeah, yeah uh, give me any of the talking heads. You know, Pat Buchanan does not represent white people. Glenn um, Beck or Rush or any of those idiots. Yeah, or, or uh, you know, whoever, they just talk to their certain audience. Um, but we're willing to say that if Al Sharpton says something, it represents all black people. Here's Joel in North Dakota. You're on the Run Fest show. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me. Good. My my whole thought is not that as much as, as it is about race uh, with the Obama administration as, as it is about class, but it's those that are, that are the investor clientele or the investor society versus the labor society. And I think that, that it falls somewhat just under those guises of, of have and have not that, that sets normal uh, racial class as well. But in any situation, you follow the money. Um. So you're really saying that this ha- that there's become a a major class issue in this country, and sometimes that gets disguised as a race issue. Yeah, absolutely, hmm. you can look at the the bailout of the automotive industry that happened under George Bush and, and was perpetuated under the Obama administration, where they where they they took the money from the from the investors and the bondholders. And, and paid it to the union, paid it to the labor rates, and, and, and really diminished investment in the country. Now, certain people fall into certain categories in that, in the larger cities where, where manufacturing and industry is, is a factor, but it was, it was absolutely about class. It had nothing to do with race. It's just most people fell into it. You could say the same for health care. There's, there's nobody that's, that, that, and I'll go out and say it, that's white, that's paying their health insurance, that thinks, thinks things are going to get cheaper under Obamacare, because we're including other people that aren't currently carrying coverage. Um, I think there's very few people that can afford to pay, you know, full boat for fucking health insurance. It's impossible. Uh, Unless you're loaded. Yeah. Independently wealthy. Yeah, you would have to have your own business of some type. Uh, and even then, when I did have a business, we were like, these costs are fucking... Right. Ridiculous! This is fucking crazy. And if you get laid off, and the the, the Cobra program, that'll make you go. Forget, broke. forget that. Forget the Cobra <laughs> program. That's insane. You're you're better off just staying inside a bubble, trying not to go out to get work again. Uh, Bruce, Pennsylvania, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ron, how are you? Uh, I'm actually driving through Boise, Idaho, right now, so it's kind of ironic, but. Uh... Uh, I live up uh, in Pennsylvania, and I date a black woman from New Jersey City. I've been dating her for about a, uh, a year now. And she has two kids who are in law school, kind of an anomaly. But within the community, her nieces, her sisters, the, the extended family, the amount of children with no uh, a male presence as a, as a role model 
is incredible. And when we go to have discussions in regards to race where the 73% of the children uh, born in black families have no father in the home, single parents, mostly women for the most part, she refuses to believe that number. So there's some denial there. And when uh, and, and so it's very frustrating to have a conversation. And when 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 it, I, I see where it came down to is that the great society, where of course we need a safety net and uh, and that sort of thing, but the great society afforded an entire race of people uh, the ability to not have to go out of, out to work and support the family because the money was coming in and it was being rewarded for not working and having children, and now you have three to four generations of that, and that, that, that perpetuates uh, the same sort of behavior. So those young men who get these women pregnant don't have to go out to work to support them because the check is coming in. And the amount of money in the community that we I never knew existed, believe me, I never knew the, 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 the amount of programs uh, that are paid for the amount of money that gets into the black community without, uh, uh, you know, for basically nothing, for not working, uh, I found to be incredible. We could, I, I couldn't, uh, if I was out of work, I wouldn't, I would and get unemployment, I would have no idea what to do. If someone's out of work in the black community, or at least what I've seen, or I'm not trying to be, be, be anything. You act like just, there's some kind of sh- Shangri-La in the ghetto. And I, to me, my it would be horrific. It would be horrific if I thought that's where I'm going, and I'm I, I've got nowhere to go from there. Yeah, I mean, you ever and remember Clinton reformed welfare to the point where it's almost impossible to get it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like have you've you been trying so many. New. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, but the hoops you have to go sure. through. It's not like you sit back. It's not like the days where you sat back and you watch TV and you raised the kids and you collected a check. There's, you 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 want to, you work to earn that check, <laughs> whether you want to or not. And I mean, the days of, of the loopholes and the tech and the welfare cheats and the welfare queens, those days are over. Those days have been over for almost 20 years. All right, Earl has uh, written something up on 50 years since the I Have a Dream speech uh, uh, up on the iBank today. Uh, Martin Luther King is, I think, easily the greatest uh, public speaker in American history, if not the world. I, I really do wish we had uh, better communicators uh, in the yeah. country now. Incredible order. I mean, if you read the speech that he did on Washington, it was a 16-minute speech. Eleven of it had nothing to do with "I Have a Dream." <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, eleven minutes of it. It's I mean, on paper, it's pretty rough. I haven't. I, mean, yeah, I haven't watched it. I don't think, except for bits and pieces. And I think MSNBC is going to run it tonight at. Nine o'clock. One of their lower programs is getting bumped, but I wanted to. Uh, I'm going to make sure they try to watch it, just to see the whole thing play out. You say the beginning of it was pretty strong. 
Yeah, I mean, there there's sections of it that are that it's the closest speech he's ever he's ever given to almost a call to arms. You know, it, I mean, it 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 rips the government, it rips it rips his own people. You know, where he's saying, you know. Because, you know, basically you say, we can't be, you know, you can't solve this violently. You can't solve, like, the idea of trying to solve this through an armed struggle is, is kind of stupid and pointless. It, the first 11 minutes, are, I mean, that's why people, that's why that last five minutes is always extracted, that last part. Right. That's the utopian part. <laughs> the first, the other, the other, you know, the other 11 minutes, it, it's strong. It, I mean, it, I mean, it runs everything from the Emancipation Proclamation. There's there's bits of Shakespeare in it. There's bits of the Bible in it. There's there's it's rough stuff. Well, the Bible is the Bible and Shakespeare are pretty rough. Uh, coming up in um, about a half hour, we're going to be talking with uh, John Voight. Ray Donovan is the show on uh, Showtime, and uh, he plays the dad, Mickey uh, Donovan. Just one of the biggest pricks, and there, there's something about John Voight where he is like, uh, plays a real tough guy, but has a twinkle in his eye. He's amazing in this. He's like the worst possible person who also loves kids. It's a very, very strange role, and it's amazing. Um, here is uh, Jason. Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddy. Good morning, Ronnie. To your point, you said that uh, MLK probably was the best orator we've ever had. I was just going to say that Obama's probably the second best orator we've had with zero substance behind him. Just a good speaker. Well, they actually shut down his speaking after the first election. He hasn't given a major speech in at least uh, five years. Uh, and I would also agree that... Obama, uh, although he can really hold an audience, uh, the substance to his speech has never had the stuff that MLK had. He's certainly... The, well, first of all, we've gotten away from giving big speeches in this country because of TV. You want to do the smaller, I'm having a one-on-one -on -one with you, yeah. the the camera. But that is never as powerful as, you know... <laughs> Giant crowd of people in front yeah, of Yeah, I mean, the old... Uh, and again, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with the person. Uh, Mussolini could give great speeches. <laughs> Hitler gave great speeches. Although, you never saw Hitler in front of anybody but a hometown crowd. It always would have been interesting to me to see hitler on the ro road to see if he had the same amount of confidence you might get some crickets out there yeah i mean he knew the people were with him um here is uh chris in iowa you're on the run of fest show hey ronnie b um i, I just there's a, one big thing that bothers me and a lot of times when we talk about race uh, uh, here on your show or other shows you'll have people call in and I know it's hard to sum things up in a short period of time, but I mean, I'm I'm not a history major or anything like that. But you know, anybody with a computer or a library card can learn as much as they want. And it, the just the amount of people that are so grossly misinformed about how we got to here, how we got to there, and and they try to wrap it up because maybe they heard it on a show eight minutes ago, and oh yeah, I'll call and I just heard that. I mean it. 
situations are very complicated. They're, they're not, you can't just wipe one, you know, misguided well, domestic policy across the board and explain why, you know. Absolutely. 50, I mean, 50, the, the yeah. reason why we're talking about this is literally going in 50 years have we made any kind of progress. And yes, you are completely right. When you have people who don't want to read, who are not curious, and I'm not talking about, oh, we got to teach kids to read. I'm talking about adults doing something with that. <laughs> you were taught to read. Yeah. That doesn't mean shit. It's what you read. And then you're critical thinking once you get it. Now, the interesting thing to me is no matter how you feel, all of us feel on some of these race issues, we know they have to get better. No matter whose fault you think it is, it still has to get better. Um, well, I- it's, it's nuts to me to think uh, that the only thing to do is blame the other side and go back into your house, which, Earl, I think is 90% of what we do. No, well, and again, I, you know, in, in preparation for writing this, I, I had, I said, you know what, let me listen to the speech again. Let me listen to, let me, I listened to it, and, uh, like, like, Google is great today. If you click on it, they have an icon, click on, on the Martin Luther King icon, they give you, it sends you straight to all the links to the speech, things surrounding it, the text of the speech. And I had to read that speech again, and I didn't realize that three quarters of that speech is, is something entirely different. You know, and I was—you always had that last five minutes ingrained right. in your head. I'm not sure and if I've I, ever I, sat down. What we have the—is it 16 minutes? I think it's all up on the uh, iBang right now. I've—I uh, don't think I've ever watched the full 16. I haven't. Um, but you know, I mean, he ends. I mean, this is fireworks there. <laughs> I mean, it kills it. I, but I really prefer, I think, that last mountaintop speech. I thought was the all-time, you yeah, know. Because and, that, that, and again, that's a forty-five minute speech. That's oh, too long. <laughs> you know, you know, that's forty-five. I mean, you know, but you know, that's how he kind of built up those great oratory skills. He was he he could capture you, but it, you know, but you hardly think it's forty-five minutes. You know, it's so engrossing and it's so enthralling that just to hear him speak and to really get, you know, really, like you said, critically think on what he was saying. Like, the beyond, to me, the beyond Vietnam speech is the best speech he's ever given. Um, It it trumps I Have a Dream. Here's Mike in Florida. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, guys. uh, Love the show. It's the black community doesn't realize how important dads are to families and uh, just just improving yourself, it's doomed. There's too many black children being born with no father figure in their life whatsoever. It just doesn't work statistically. Uh, there's definitely a breakdown of the... Uh, family unit type of thing, which after a while makes me wonder as a society can we even stay committed to the family being the center of everything only because they break down only because it seems like we can't count on them um, to stick together anymore 
Family is the most amazing, crazy, positive, and negative thing I think that any of us have in our lives. It's, well, we'll talk about it when John Voigt, when he gets in. There's family values in that show. These people stick together, but for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? Like, here's the problem with family values. If the patriarch or the matriarch of that family is not teaching the correct lessons to that family, now you've got generations fucked up. And we know that. If you've got a grandfather teaching the whole family, don't trust anyone. They're out to fuck you, so make sure you fuck them first. You're going to breed paranoid people. And don't act like we don't have that in a lot of families. Families may not be as positive as we uh, act. Um, here's uh, Sean in New Jersey. Sean. Okay, interesting point, Sean. Um, here's uh, Andy in Atlanta. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, I was going to recommend to everybody when you talk about reading uh, Taylor Branch's uh, three-part series on the King years. It's kind of the definitive work, and uh, it is a page-turner. It's about 2,500 pages total. And when I mentioned to one of my Republican friends you know, that I was reading it, he said, why would you read that? I mean, the race thing is all over now. Why would you even be interested? It's very, very interesting how people, how little... Uh, we, you know, care about this. You know, one of the the whole thing about school in the first place was not about getting people better jobs and all that. It was supposed to be about citizenship, about what your connection is to this country that you were born on. And there's many of us that are incredibly ignorant. And, you know, forget the fact of even reading. There's so many great documentaries. I just... I, I just saw one on uh, the Nixon years uh, the other day, and I'm going to try to get those uh, folks in. Chris is working on it. But that those years were so incredibly complicated. And what Nixon tried to do, did do, failed at, it's so much more complicated than just calling the man, you know, Tricky Dick, and oh, Evil. we got that crooked. Yeah, and that's the end of it. Most of these things that we're looking at are much more complicated, but we want to take these things and just put them down into a phrase. Yeah, I phrase. saw the uh, the Ali doc yesterday, um, the trials of Muhammad Ali. Now, I always thought Ali and King were kind of running, kind of they were running parallel, but they weren't together. Right. There's a clip in this movie where they're together, and they're kind of. And he was like, he's like, and King is like, you know, this is like, I, I'm standing with this guy, and he goes, we we have different religious beliefs, and and then Ali turns and goes, this man's my brother, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, and I'm watching this, I'm like, I thought there was like a schism between these. Who, who did this documentary, Earl? Um, uh, uh, I think what's his name, Siegel. I, I forgot the first name, but it's. Absolutely fascinating because it covers only the exile years, like taking the stance against the war, the legal battle, um, the legal battles, um, 
they had the clerks from the Supreme Court and how the Supreme Court went from a five... I mean, initially the Supreme Court was going to... They, they were going to uphold the decision. And then they found these legal loopholes. And it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I, I, but, I mean, I'd love to see this. The Trials of Muhammad Ali is the name of it? Yeah, yeah it's at the IFC Center. And um, But again, I didn't... You know, and I did a lot of reading on Ali. Loved Ali. Still do. Um, a lot of reading on Malcolm X, a lot of reading on King. And what they were kind of coming together. You know, Malcolm X hated the march on Washington. He made no bones about it. But in the, toward the end of his life, he's like, you know what? King was on the right path. He's, he's like, and, and apologized for being so critical of him. He's like, you know what? The way, he's like, he, he was on a path that I'm starting to walk on now. But, you know, but we know the rest. We know what happened. Well, the uh, the King thing, which, you know, he was a big follower of Gandhi's practices of uh, we're just not playing in this game. We are not doing it. And, you know, you can shoot at us, you can burn us, but you are going to look the worst for it. That kind of thing gets forgotten in this country because we expect immediate answers and we forget that change takes time and you know you can't sit and hate your oppressors and feel like that's going to make the change when you're all in the same country together you know you fall into tears because you didn't get something you want it in in five minutes it takes work to make yeah, major change. Yeah, the you know when they would have the you know, the sit-ins and so remember the parents the, it was they they said the biggest effect that the sit-ins had and you know watching them get get beat and everything said it wasn't so much the parents it was the kids who had the questions <laughs> they went hey, wait a minute why are you beating on this guy he's not doing anything he's just sitting there you know what I mean so and then oh you saying like in the well, white community the the, yeah, the white the community white, was able to say. Uh, the the younger people who weren't raised as much were able to look at it and say this is wrong. Yeah, that's what I mean. The changes take place through generations. It doesn't happen in five minutes. You don't get yeah. to call somebody a name and then five minutes later they go, you know what? You're right. I agree with you. Um, I am a I am a dick. Um, here is uh, Sean. Sean in New Jersey. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, Ron. Get back hey, on. Hey, uh Listen, I was talking to the screener, and my thing is is that, you know, blacks need to take responsibility for themselves. You know, you can sit there and look at what happened 50 years ago, 60 years ago, okay? But, you know, look at the Jews. The Jews have been hammered for thousands of years. They run industries. They don't forget it, but you don't see them whining about everything all the time, okay? They're not looking there to put their hands out. They run institutions. They run industries. You know, blacks aren't stupid people. They just want everything handed to them because there's nobody out there on their side saying, listen, you know, we got, we got to, you know, there's like no responsibility for their own people. You know, you don't see any kind of a breakdown in the Jewish community. You don't see it in the Asian community. You know, I, I don't understand why you just can't say, you know what, enough is enough. Get responsible and do something about it. Take responsibility for their own lives. Why do, as white people, have to pour any other, any other, any other race have to put up with this anymore? Well, that's an interesting thing. So why do you feel these this connection to white people that you 
don't feel with anybody of color? What What is this great connection that you feel to white strangers to you? I don't understand the question. The question In other words, answer, like, why do you see yourself as part of the white people group? Why are you more comfortable with white people? I don't want to have anything to do with the black people because you don't have any responsibility. That's not what I asked you. What is what is your comfort look, level look at, look at, with look white people? Look at how people. they run their lives. Look at how they run their lives. Here's what I want you to do before you get to that point where we're all going to sit and, and run down black people. Why do you feel part of the great Caucasian family. What is it about white people that you feel this represents me? No, I don't think it's a part of, I think it's a part of the family. I just don't think there's any connection with the family. Like the like the one guy said earlier, you know, you, 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 you need to you need benefit. to see if you can just you know? focus for a second. You perfect. you need to just well, see if you can focus on a second with me. You feel some comfort with white people. Am I correct about that? Yeah, I do. Okay, Absolutely. so what I is I, it? I also feel the same comfort with Spanish. I feel it with everybody else. Because the way that I see it is that the black community takes no responsibility. You, 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 let, let's just go back to white people. people. Wait, wait, hold on they never look at themselves and say, you know, you, you, you won't fucking start at the beginning. So I'm not going to let, before we get to running down black people, I'm just trying to find out what run, this. I don't have to run them down. They do it to themselves. Would you fucking they listen for a second, dude? I'm trying to find a common ground before we go and, and say what is wrong with black people. What is wrong? What is right about white people? What are we, what, what are white people doing that you feel so connected? And he's gone. I really wanted to get to that because uh, it's interesting to me that we will do this. And I believe we do go, this is the group that I am part of. I feel okay with them. I'm always curious, where do we make those moves? Um, Go ahead, Earl. And again, I... The question I was going to ask him was that, it's like, okay, explain to me across the board. I mean, I'm not saying blacks, whites, everybody. There's a 60, or I think 65% divorce rate. Families fractured. Almost four, six out of every 10 families are fractured. So the point, to paint this broad brush on, on black people saying that it's just black people, like, that's wrong too. <laughs> because when, you know, Six out of ten marriages aren't working. I mean, the family is fractured. You got a lot of weekend dads. You got a week, you know, that's just the way it is now. Whether it's right, there's a, a, a fuller problem, a, a much more broader problem with family now than, than the, just, just exclusively painted on white people. On black people, I'm sorry. Here's uh, Paul in Chicago. Go ahead, Paul. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Yeah. Um, you said earlier that white people were like complaining more and being a little more whiny. Me being a Hispanic, born and raised in Chicago, I see that issue being a total reversal of power. They, they're starting to become the minority in a sense. And now, like in the history of the United States from the Revolutionary War till now, they have to hand over power and they don't really want to do that. It's something that's not in their DNA. They don't want to give it to us Hispanics or the blacks or the Asians. They want to be in power. And I guess that's why the whininess and the complaining is coming out a lot more. It's because they know somewhere down the line when they do uh, charts and lists of the, the people of America, they're going to be the minority. And, and they just have a hard time accepting that. 
I think there's there is some truth to that that white people are the the well for as much as them saying hey blacks sort of just pull it together or whatever but when it comes to the thought of by the way you may not be running things uh that's shocking to them but I will say that uh Earl you know here in New York City that there are more brown people and black people than there are white people but who's in charge of the city? Michael Bloomberg. Yeah, white people. White people are going... White people want to drive the car. That is really the funniest thing, is white people, if you're going to just play general, the general idea of it, white people are your dad, where even yeah. when your dad gets into your car, he wants to drive... <laughs> they just want to drive the car. Yeah, and the... And the political landscape has always, at least the last, I would say, 35 years, you say the words, you know, black, black Latino fusion ticket, it rattles the status quo to its core. Because they haven't found a candidate. Anyone who tries to find a candidate that can put those two, two groups together in, in a block vote, there's always a move to split that vote. I am I am going to make this prediction. I think I've said it before on this show, but I know I've said it uh, many times in my private life, that Barack Obama is going to be the most powerful ex-president in history. He is going to be much more powerful as an ex-president than he is as a president because he's going to be free to say what's on his mind. He's going to raise incredible amounts of money, and he's going to uh, the, the stories of the things that got blocked will be seen differently than they are now, and it's going to be a difficult thing for the Republicans to deal with, just like it's tough for them to deal with Bill Clinton as an ex-president. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. even more difficult to deal with Barack Obama because he's going to be Jackie Robinson. Just like the way that I said, we only remember a certain thing from each president because we refuse to read and look into it. People are just going to remember Barack as the first black president. That's it. No matter all the little details, and this and that, it's going to be forgotten, and he's going to go back and have those giant speeches like he did before, and he's going to be reuniting, um, bringing voters together and bringing money together. It's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for the Republicans in the future. And I think a lot of it is based on the fact that we uh, can't work together now. That the Democrats and Republicans can't work together now. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Kevin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, thanks, Ron. You yeah. know, I, I live in New Mexico, and we have the first Hispanic female uh, governor in the country. But, you know, it's, this is a cultural problem. This goes by state by state. Now, in, in the South, we have... Uh, you know, black people taking advantage of the system. In, in my part of the country, we have uh, the Mexicans uh, coming across. Now, I'm Hispanic. Now, it's completely different from Mexican to Spanish. All right, let me try to clear that up a little bit. But it's just like every, and, and where I'm driving in Oklahoma, 
And in Arkansas, you have white people that are taking advantage of the system. They're just bleeding the, the country dry. It's just... It, it just you, goes by state. All right, but here, but here's where you're like, like we're all like crabs in a pot. You know who's really fucking taking advantage of the system? Wall Street guys. Well, of course they're fucking us all in the ass, and we're fighting over pennies here or there. It's crazy how much CEOs have taken advantage in this country, and we always go back to the same gibberish stuff of who got a check for a buck three eighty. Um, yeah, like corporate welfare has been it is bleeding this country far more than personal the the welfare for personal reasons. Absolutely. Uh let's go over here to Norm. Norm you're on the run of Fed show. Hey Ronnie, how you doing? Good. Uh hey Couple uh, couple callers ago, uh, you had a great question, which 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 makes you a, a great conversationalist. Is you asked the man uh, what his connection was and why he saw himself as as a white person more connected to white people. Um, I, I got a couple of examples of this uh, that I can talk to you about. Um, growing up, I went to a very small school. Um, uh, my best friend growing up was was a black kid. And he was one of only two black kids in the whole school. Actually, him and his brother. Uh, I saw him go through a lot of stuff that made me think uh, differently and uh, uh, really kind of opened my eyes to what was really going on at a young age. As I grew older, though, uh, I I started to see some different things and started to think a little bit differently. And and one of my most recent... uh, one of my most recent experiences was uh, playing softball in a men's softball league. Um, we started off in a team uh, where we played in a small community. Um, all the teams were predominantly white. I took my kids to the game. My wife went to the game with me. Uh, after the game, in between games, we drank beers. We had a good time. There was never any problems. There was never any trouble. Uh, we did good in that league, and, and we decided to go up to a city league. Um, while in that city league, from the first game on, uh, it was a whole new ball game. We were the only all-white team there. Um, so we did experience a lot of trash talk because of that. But overall, the experience was not enjoyable. And, and the reason it was enjo- not enjoyable was because of the behavior of, of the people we were playing against. Uh, there was a police officer at every field. There were fights. There were drugs. There were uh, people getting kicked out for drinking. Uh, this is a community park. You weren't allowed to drink. Uh, nobody really cared. Nobody really wanted to follow the rules. Um, we seemed to be able to, but nobody else seemed to be able to maintain themselves. Uh, it turned out where my wife and kids who used to enjoy these games uh, no longer wanted to go. And when I asked them why they no longer wanted to go, they, they were scared. They were scared to death. And I can tell you right now, with the way that my kids were brought up, if there is a black kid in their school, they, 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 will, they, will, they will describe that kid in every other way but to say that he is black. So it wasn't that they were afraid right. of a bunch of black people. It was afraid of the, they were afraid of the behavior, and they were afraid of the culture. And I think that's why I can when I when I see white people, I say, hey, I can I can relate to these people. Uh, we act the same way. Um, we're not talking trash. That's not what we do. We go out and play. We go out and play ball. 
that I think that's the answer to your question right I, there. I, I think you've got I, I think you've brought up some great points and I'm gonna let Earl deal with them. Earl, is there a an acceptance of violence in the black community? And I'm not talking blacks against whites. I'm talking with blacks with each other that is not accepted in other communities. No, I think there's, I think, you know, I, I, I've been hit with this question numerous times, and the question, my answer is always the same. Like, like, we don't like getting beat up. We don't like getting robbed. We don't like getting raped. Like, we don't, like, we're as, as much against violence as anybody. Now, is there, does it happen within the black community? Absolutely. Do we like it? No. And what I think gets downplayed is the people who are, and people and groups who do take that stand and do take, like, I've, a group I've, I'm kind of following now, and I might actually join as a dream defenders. They're, they're, they're a group of kids. They're like these young people trying to pick up the Martin Luther King mantle and pursue nonviolence, pursue, you know, very, you know, speak out against all violence, black, white, whoever. All right, but let's, group, this, but let's just say right. that can we not uh, say that there isn't some kind of a thug culture or gangster culture that exists more in the black community than it does in the white community? And is that about um, poverty? Or is this about the, the lack of responsible adults? What is it about? Uh, frankly, money. <laughs> lack of money. Lack of, I mean, I think it, it, it's a segment, but it's not the culture. You know, like, it's and, uh, and hip hop had a lot to do with that, um, but you know, but there was a there was a flirtation for a while with hip hop and and the mob lifestyle. Does that mean we go up, you know we demonize Italians? No, of course not. But 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 believe me, it's a it's not reported enough. It's not really spoken about enough, but you know, black people hate violence as much as anybody. And but but here's the thing, you just heard from that last caller. And I I, I believe him to be a hundred percent honest in his point of view of going out and playing sports and there being sportsmanship and there being, you know, good feelings towards competition but as soon as they start to play the black teams, um, there was a thug mentality. I think most of us can agree that there's truth to that statement, more truth than not. Yeah, I mean, well, well the, the Easternization of, of sports, again, I think that's not exclusive to the black community. I think that's everywhere. I think, I think, that, I think that most of the time, if you think we're going to go play a white team in a white neighborhood... You don't have to worry about it being turning to violence. But if you got a basketball team and you're going in to play in a black team in a black neighborhood, you suddenly have to worry about safety for those same kids. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, frankly, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't done that. I haven't even you know gone to a game to where or gone to. Even a community situation where it was a black team playing a white team, I know we. I was in a league when I was, you know, when I was in high school. We were the only black team. 
mm-hmm. and the, the trash talking and everything else was equal on both sides. It was give and take. It never came a gunfire or blows. It was just for me. It was just the nature of the game. I didn't like it. I was like, you know what, this is play. You know, it but, may yeah, it may be a cultural or economic issue, but I think that that it is uh, there. I think that it it's definitely part of what we're dealing with. Uh, here is uh, Tom. Tom, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, how you doing? Good, buddy. Yeah, uh, I was thinking, uh, as far as it's more of a economic issue, like, um, and, not, and not a race issue, like, I relate to more people who make the same money as I do. Like, I get along with my coworkers, and they're all, you know, I'm white, there's black, there's Spanish, men, women. I don't relate to my friends anymore when they start doing better and, you know, buying bigger houses and moving out to the island in bigger, you know, nicer neighborhoods. Right. I, start to, I, I don't relate to them as much as I do, you know, my union brothers, my coworkers, mm-hmm. because we have the same problems, we have the same issues, you know, uh, you know, when invites us over and he has a giant pool are uh, you like damn i don't have that better oh uh, we lost you bro and we lost earl at the same time for some reason both those calls that's strange fell off at the same time uh coming up in just a couple of minutes uh john voight is going to be here to uh talk about ray donovan the show on showtime uh, this was one of my shows, yeah. and it got yanked. It got yanked with uh, all the rest of them. So I'm going to have, I don't know, four or five to catch up on. We, has it been like a month now that they've pulled the CBS on us? It's been a month, yeah. Right now, it looks like episode nine. I don't know what happened under the dome. I don't know whether they got... I think they're out of the dome and they're on top of it. I don't know if there's more domes have popped up Everyone's the show since then. Not, no longer under the dome. Well, there's sometimes under the dome, but there's a door in it. Oh. So they can come and go as they want. I think that's what's happening. I don't know who's voted out of Big Brother. I don't know if there's still racism in Big Brother. <laughs> I'm going to guess yes. I'm there gonna... was a lot of racism this year. Against everyone. Yeah. Asians, blacks. Yeah, it was mainly... Um, although, it, and, and I think there was some anti-gay feelings. Oh, yes. You got to throw that in. Hope that house is okay. I think they're under a dome somehow. All right. Earl, you got back, but I just want to point something out. You did invent a uh, a new term today, the ESPNization of sports. I had never heard that before. <laughs> but it's here now because of you. Uh, Earl's written a piece, Martin Luther King Jr.'s Dream, August 28th, 1963. You uh, uh, can come on in and uh, and read on that and be part of it. Are we ready for? Do we need a commercial break first, or what do we got to do? I don't know. Let's uh, let's keep it rolling. Before keep, we keep it rolling before. I mean, before we, Mr. Voigt comes. Are in. we going to do a commercial before John Voigt or after? After. Okay. Go after. Okay. Earl wants to go after. <laughs> Everybody's talking at me. Um, here's Greg in New York City. Go ahead, Greg. Hey, um, I think what's really hurting race relations is, and I think we can't beat around the bush, is that 
there's just been a lot of heinous crimes lately by young black youth, about 16, 17 years old. You know, you had the Australian guy get shot. You had the, the World War II vet get beat to death. You know, real heinous crimes. You had a woman in Poughkeepsie, 99, killed by a young black man around 16, 17 years old. You, are you just yeah. reading the fucking George Report? Because that's what it sounds like. Did you see no, the George no, Report? Wait, wait, wait. No, we have the flash mob. Um, the entire the fucking right side of the whole thing was just black person being a white person, black person I'm, being I'm, a white I'm person. I'm trying to make a it's point. Fucking, I'm trying it, to make why a point. Why did every fucking white person that beats up a white person? It's wait, the whole on. fucking I, thing. I, I'm trying to make a point. I'm talking about what... Yeah, black white. people being up whitey. I get it. Right. Beating up. It's more than beating up. It's murdering heinously an 88-year-old guy. These are the things that are currently occurring, and it's happening with young black youth, and that's what I think alarms a lot of Because only young black youth fucking commit crime. Hey, Jesus who's doing the flash mobs in Philly? Who's doing the break-ins at all the retail establishments and taking clothes? It's young grew, it's young black males. Because that's what's getting fucking it? reported, because it's, being, it's, fu it's a fucking plan to make people fucking racist. The Drudge Report, Matt Drudge is a raging fucking racist. Report. I'm talking about things yeah, and everything else follows fucking suits. Jesus are you telling Christ. me these things aren't happening? Everyone called up because they're fucking crazy racist to me, except fucking Earl. I feel like I'm fucking going crazy. Why Black are... people are the same as white people. You people are assholes. I'm trying to make the point of what is the, the perception that's going on. I'm not saying white people don't kill other people. I'm making a perception. You're getting excited and emotional. He is get, he, you are that. getting excited. And, you know, anything that he's said... And I know that you feel like the, the media, but it doesn't take a run away from the fact that that these things are also happening. And I know the media is taking and running with it, but at the same time, I think all of us responsible people were against violent crime. All of us. You're all upset now. I'm fine. I just fine. I just fucking feel like I'm going crazy because I, I just well, after we started rattling all that shit off, I remember when I was reading Drudge Report yesterday. I felt like nuts. I actually sent the front page of a Drudge Report <laughs> to a friend of mine, going, "Do you see yeah. that? You know, we're attempting. It's all race in this country now. Race, 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 constantly. But I want everyone to know this. And Earl, I want you to get the word out to the black people." Chris, I want you to get the word out to the white people. Okay. I am going to fix this. Oh, thank God. I'm on the job now, and I'm going to fix racism in America. Good, because we fucking need it. I'm going to do it, because I'm tired of the yelling back and forth. It's getting crazy. But you need to understand something, too. Just because the, uh, the media is running with some stuff does not mean that the that some of these crimes are also not taking place and they're unacceptable I they're unacceptable if it's black on on white it's unacceptable if it's white on black and it's un unacceptable if it's black on black it's unacceptable what's happening in baltimore is unacceptable what's happening in the south part of chicago is unacceptable but i will also say this what's happened on wall street is unacceptable we fucking need to get some of this together. I had craziness going on here. I've just got pure fucking well, madness. we're trying to fucking put off the race war. I That's am, what it feels like. All right, I got to see what all this says here. Well, in the meantime, you can join the our ESPN 
football pools to win a Adrian Peterson signed football or a Ray Rice signed football in the Eliminator and Pigskin Challenges. That's on the front page of the iBang. I'm going to get that AP ball. Uh, um, are we going to do our interview? Yeah. Look, folks, I couldn't do it in an hour. I plan on fixing racism. I plan on doing it. I'm on the job now. I've been screwing around with a couple of other things leading up to this. But I'm going to get it fixed. And then we will slowly but surely get America back. And we need to. Man. And better than ever. Good. It's going to be like Mr. Mom. Finally. I need a utopia to live in. We're all going to... It's going to be hard to work at. It's going to be utopia. All right. You're going to have to do some work. I'm, I'm down for it. And Earl? Yes. Till we talk again, no more black on white crime, all right? Let's stop that. No more killing old people, all right? How about let's stop killing anybody? <laughs> okay, good. Good. All right, we, I got to get going here. John Voigt, uh, Oscar winner, one of uh, America's um, finest actors. And, you know, he's a very, very right wing person, uh, but we can all be best friends. It doesn't matter what wing we are. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Because we're all human beings. Build a bridge. Yeah. And we're allowed to have different opinions without hating each other. Uh, this He's a fantastic actor. Mickey Donovan uh, is one of the scariest characters you'll ever see on TV. One of the scariest. Uh, and Ray Donovan's a, a great show uh, and a great character. Um... We will uh, we'll uh, take it to him now. Yeah. All right, here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Voigt. John Voigt is in studio with us, uh, playing the part of Mickey Donovan on Ray Donovan, which in New York City we're cut short on it right now. They've, because of Time Warner. Yeah, Time was, Warner. The big, the big bullies in the playground. They won't yeah. let the kids play, huh? Uh, yeah. But this show is so intense, and your character, Mickey, has got to be one of the biggest bastards in the history of TV. It's just an amazing... A uh, complicated character. Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. And I'm always curious about a guy like that. Does he have love for his family or... Oh, yeah, he does. But the chaos that he brings to everybody. Well, you know, you know people like that, don't yeah. you? That they're, they're crazy about you, but they're the worst uh, medicine for you. you know, they, they just get everything messed up. But they love you, for sure, true. And that's the strange thing about family. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the it's the people that we probably fight the most with, the people that we argue with, the people that we judge the harshest, mm -hmm. and yet the people that we're most drawn to. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, 
It's interesting about family. Family's always crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you, you don't get that close or that uh, involved with other people. You're not, you know, tied to other people the way family, the way you're tied to family, and it's and it, it's positive and negative sometimes. Oh, absolutely, because it's it's there's such history, but at the same time, these are the people that would, without a thought, hide you from the cops. You know what I mean? Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Now you're talking my language, Ronnie. These are the people that would go out of their way to say, "Look, I don't know what you did. We're going to stash you in the attic for a while." We'll That's what it you out would later. think. That's what Mickey thinks. Yeah. He says. What, so what happened to my family? Right. What happened to you, Ray? Where were you when I needed you when you sent me to prison <laughs> yeah. for 20 years? Leave is amazing. And Isn't he stuff. wonderful? Yeah. yeah he is wonderful. Uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, you see him in one role and he's like the most sensitive guy in the world. And then just the change of a look and he looks like a stone cold killer. Well, he's got a great range, as you say. Mm. And uh, he's a terrific stage actor. Yeah. You know, he's got the real chops, this guy. His unusual voice as well. He's done all these documentaries and stuff like that because of the yeah. power of his voice. So he's all these gifts. And, and I, I watched him for years and I said, this guy really needs to be a leading man. He's a leading man. And he's trying to dumb himself down when he plays with these other leading men, you know. Yeah. But now he's the number one on, our, on the call sheet. And he's the lead in this piece, and he's allowed to be sexy, and he's allowed to be smart as hell, and he's allowed to be dangerous, and he's allowed to be humorous. He, he's all, all the aspects of this wonderful, gifted personality he can bring to the to play now, and people are going crazy for it. They love it. Well, that's the strange thing. Too. Also, he's a, he's a very virile character. We haven't had a yeah. virile a guy. You know, he's a yeah. guy. Uh, he's a man. When uh, when um, Ann Bitterman, who is the showrunner and the creator of this piece uh, was asked a question about why she chose Lev. He said, because he's a man. Mm. And it's uh, th that, that doesn't mean that there's, th he's the only guy that's running around in, today, but, but there's something very appealing about him in the, in the old way, you know? Mm -hmm. He's like the Bogart or he's like the Robert Mitchum or whatever it is. Yeah, know? it's a, a kind of a rare thing today. But it's always strange that it takes some people so long before that is recognized. That you've well, almost had to do it once before they give you the opportunity to I do it again. I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, I think that's true. And so, well, he, he's, uh, uh, he's not normally classic good-looking, but he's good-looking. Yeah. He's attractive. He's an attractive guy. Uh, but it just, uh, you know, he was able to do these other things. He's a very good character actor. He can do this and that, and he's versatile. And he just hasn't broken through in that kind of uh, role. And this is it, boy. Yeah. Now people know what he can do, and they like him. Well, it's interesting how we, we want to kind of put people in a box. I know with you, I never knew that you were a New York guy because of Joe Buck yeah. and Midnight Cowboy. I just naturally assumed I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Right. Uh, you know, and then Deliverance, you play Southern again and all. Right. You know, it's the strangest thing that once we get something into our minds, it stays there, you know? Yeah, well, that's that's the way it is. Of course, I'm, I've got to give myself credit for being a good enough actor so that I can pull it off. Yeah. You know? So you think I'm from someplace else, so you believe the character uh, that I'm playing and, and uh, don't look at my history. I saw uh, Midnight Cowboy again a couple years ago on a big screen. They uh -huh. re-released up here to direct. That thing's like a statue. I mean, it will just last forever. Yeah. Well, that's all the, all the great it's, it's one of the great movies. I've been very fortunate to be in it. And... Uh, 
you know, it's like all those classics, like if you saw Gone with the Wind or Casablanca sure. or any of those movies, they they really hold up. Which was, it's kind of cool that now when the, it seems like they're confused about what to do with some of these screens out there, that uh, there's occasional nights that they'll go back and show the classics yeah. on the big screen. And when you get a chance yeah, to see Bogart on the big screen or Cagney on the big screen, totally different experience oh, than yeah, watching it, it on TV. Oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Who did you uh, Who did you grow up watching? What, what What took you into acting? Well, my dad was a golf professional, mm -hmm. and uh, but he loved movies. And, and on his day off, which was Mondays, he, he liked to relax and he liked to take us three boys as the middle of three kids boys and like to take us to the movies and that's what we did so we at an early age when i was four maybe five uh we were going to the movies and uh and we fell in love with movies and i think that uh, the, the guys that i grew up with i, I was guided by my dad dad loves spencer tracy mm. and they couldn't be b a better example of a great actor than spencer tracy and uh, and then i saw all these guys you mentioned i saw cagney and of and uh and uh, Bogart, and of course uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart, and these were Cary Grant and and uh, Gary Cooper, all, all all of these great ones. They all were great, by mm -hmm. the way, really great. Um, so I grew up in a time when there were great actors, and uh, uh, and I f fell in love with the, you know the 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 movies. And that was all the studio system, and then by the time you would come along, that studio system had pretty much fallen apart. Right. And you were pretty, uh, I guess at that point, acting pretty much out there on your own. Well, and, and at that time, I think things had gotten a little stale. I don't want to be, a, uh, you know, to get anybody, give anybody the idea that I'm a historian or anything mm -hmm. like that, but I, I remember the emotions of the time. I, I remember that... Uh, uh, the studio system kind of broke down because the great moguls died. Yeah. And there was nothing to replace that energy. That energy was such an authentic energy. Those guys created Hollywood, really, in, yeah. in a way. And then who replaced them were good people who were trying to be like them, and they tried to do things like them. So uh, they they looked for the talent available to them, and they uh, they tried to imitate. They tried to get the next Cary Grant, the next Gary Cooper, right. the next Jimmy. Can you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and and. And they got a little stale, you know. That's the way I saw it, anyway. And uh, uh, and then this, when the '60s happened, all, everything was turned upside down. There was a lot of good turning upside down, and a lot of bad yeah. turning upside down. In the '60s it was a very destructive era as well. But one of the things that that was happening at that time with me was I was looking at films from all over the world. Then I I looked at Kurosawa's films, and I looked at. Uh, uh, Bergman's films and Fellini's films and all these, you know, the French New Wave guys. And it was a very exciting time. And I was looking for the American people that were going to be in that realm, you know. Uh, so I wanted to, I, I had my own thoughts about what we should be doing. And uh, I was just a, an actor looking for a job in the streets, but I had big dreams, I guess. And uh, uh, I was looking for my Bergman or my Fellini mm -hmm. and I and I fortunately found John Schlesinger, this British uh, uh, director who directed Darling and won Academy Award for that. And and uh, then I found my way 
which, which was a big adventure, but finally finding my way to that role, and then I became part of the movie industry, too. And that connection that you had with Dustin Hoffman in that film, and that's something that I think... Uh, marks you john that there's always that other person yeah. that you're playing off of sometimes we look at at actors and it's like they're alone but you're always connected very mm. strongly with somebody on screen yeah it's, uh, that's interesting uh mm. i would think you know when you think of humphrey bogart you do think of a kind of a uh but you, but you look at his films and you, you always had that partner um, yeah like casablanca you had uh, ingrid bergman of course but uh uh, with with Tracy, he, he sometimes Clark Gable, sometimes mm. uh, he had uh, Catherine Hepburn. He was good at pairing as well, uh, but they stood alone. Uh, uh, but that's true. That uh, in my career, I've had these uh, serious relationships with the other actors. Starting out with Dusty, where it was a two hander, and when we started out, I said to D Dusty. I said, this is like, uh, they're like Abbott and Costello, or, yeah. or they, they, you know, they play off each other. I mean, these guys are like that, or uh, it's classic. It's like Sancho Panza and uh, Don Quixote or something. Yeah, it's exactly. And I said, uh, and so it was all, we always felt like that. And when we were working on it, uh, Dusty and I did a lot of improvisations uh, in, at lunch hour. We stayed in character, and we had the fun of it to keep our characters alive and to experiment with things. But we, uh, but it was like uh, we knew what the other one was thinking. What we, we were one of those people that, if it had been the old studio system, they would have they would have written a lot of scripts for the two of us. And you were free to walk around New York in character without anybody knowing who you guys were at that time. Well, no one, you know, of course, Dustin had already done uh, a film, but nobody recognized him as Ratso Rizzo. No. I mean, he just disappeared. Uh, uh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, yeah. Some of those even street scenes, people didn't know you were shooting a movie, correct? Right. We were on the, st we, we were on the street and trying to, uh, with the hidden cameras across the street wow. in the window and stuff like that. Yeah. So all that I'm walking here, nobody knows. That was movies. a the, the, the lot has been talked about. My recollection of that I'm walking here was uh, very specific. It was on Sixth Avenue. We were coming into the uh, toward the park, the last block toward the park, and uh, and the, the traffic had to be held up so we could walk across this walk down the street. And the camera was way up the other side. It was a long focus lens, and. Uh, we were, we had rehearsed it a couple times, but then they stopped the traffic and and Dusty and I were always of the we were always thinking of the improvisation, always having something in our pocket. That's the way we naturally worked mm -hmm. for some reason, both of us, uh, especially with those roles, I guess. So um, all of a sudden we walked down the street and the guy, this cab driver had been waiting a long time, and he finally got fed up. You know, yeah, yeah. And he said, I'm coming through. And Dusty stood right in front of him and hit that thing. Holy God. I mean, we almost got hit in that thing. And then Dusty says his line, I'm walking here, I'm walking here. And then he, and then I, and then he says uh, uh, the, the line about, uh, you know, it's not a bad way to pick up insurance, you know, whatever, whatever it is like yeah. that. You know, he, he had that line in his pocket. The, both lines. You know, we were talking about something else. And... Uh, we kept the take going to finish the scene out the way it had been constructed. And the, all I was thinking about when that happened, 
I was saying, stay in, let's stay in character. This is the take. This is the this take. Is don't it. cut. Don't. I'm thinking yeah. in my head. Don't cut it, John. Don't <laughs> cut it. This is it. And sure enough, it wound up in the movie, and everybody knows that line. It's uh, it's amazing those little accidents, though, right? That oh yeah. Make uh, films, but uh, so many of the films that you did, uh, you know, Runaway Train to me is uh, a film I go watch over and over and over yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've just had those throughout your career uh, I've where, been very fortunate to have them throughout my career yeah but you don't absolutely. know when it's coming right you don't know no, you don't know if you're, hey, actors never know if they're going to work again after they do a role they, they, they cut that's it it's been a wrap it's been a wonderful time <laughs> fellas you have a lovely career and you leave and you don't know because you're you're kind of uh, conditioned to do that because in, in the early part of your career it really is a very, you know, you finish something that's good and you're looking for the next job and you don't know, don't know when it's going to come up. And it could be a year, it could be two years, could, you know what I mean? You're back, uh, you know, should I go get uh, unemployment or what? what's the deal? <laughs> you yeah. know, because you weren't making any money at that time. And there's no point that you're like, okay, now I know I belong. I, I remember a, a wonderful actor, uh, Marty Balsam. I don't know if you remember sure. Marty Balsam. Marty Balsam was a great stage actor as well as a film actor, and he won an Academy Award. Uh, but uh, he, he said to me when I was young, he says, I never know if I'm going to work again, John. After a shit piece. Like he, he, went, he, he, was, he was about 80 years old when I, you know, well, he's probably my age. Maybe he was younger, <laughs> but he just seemed older at that time. But... Uh, he he was uh, he just shared with me that he was insecure too when he when he finished the job and I think that's the that's the case with all actors. Even after coming home, you've got the Oscar. Yeah, you yeah, still sure. don't feel like I belong. I, I, oh no, I'm, it's not that you don't feel that you belong. You belong, right? But you don't know if there's going to be another uh, series of events that some writers thinking of you or some directors thinking of you or you'd be able to get that next piece. Um, especially when you get you know when you get a little reputation, then you want to have good pieces and yeah. you don't know if those good pieces are going to be out there for you. Well, it's amazing. Early, before you did films, you were doing TV. And now TV is back and doing stuff uh, that in many ways is much better than what's happening in film in this country. I mean, well, you did some things on Showtime that are uh, phenomenally great. Yeah, that's right. Well, th that's where the dramatic actors are now. Yeah. Uh, there's not there's not enough to feed the great dramatic actors and, and film. We don't make films like that anymore because film f films are so costly mm -hmm. uh, that they have to put a lot of muscle into them. And so they get the biggest stars they can get, and they put as much action into the things as they can get, or whatever they do. Uh, they're looking for that blockbuster every time, and the serious pieces are not as uh, uh, as easy to identify. Yeah. You got to have uh, for the people who are putting up the money. They they, they don't know where the where the successes are going to come. A great piece will have success financially mm -hmm. if it's well done, but nobody knows what the ingredients are those uh, of that is so much anymore you know but whereas on television you know you're going to have a steady a stream of, of, of uh, you know uh, of product and you if you you're not depending on each project project to make your entire season you have a lot of sure. a lot of different things that are going to be presented to the public so there's not that pressure so therefore they can afford to take 
uh, these pieces that are serious pieces and get the serious actors and have them do their thing and, and hope that, uh, that that catches. And in the case of Ray Donovan, in the case of, uh, you know, uh, uh, the other pieces in HBO and, and TNT and, yeah. you know, History Channel is doing some great stuff, too. Now, uh, you know, the, the uh, you're seeing a, the serious pieces are drawing the serious talent. And that's the funny thing. You never know when an opportunity is going to spring up. It's something yeah. no one saw. I mean, cable had been around for a long time before they started going. I guess maybe the Sopranos started the Sopranos, this. Sopranos, it seems to me, was the beginning of this uh, you know these episodic uh, series, uh, these long novel form mm-hmm. series. You know, and uh, and of course you have Mad Men and you have uh, Breaking Bad now and you have uh, 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 the, the several pieces on Showtime. Yeah. You know, and and it's great. And you see these great actors, wonderful actors uh, that have been you know given little pockets of film time you know sure. and then all of a sudden you say let's give this great actor a great role and <laughs> let's sit back and watch that you know it's also where the best writers are now drawn to because That's right. they all don't want to sit around writing about i don't know robots fighting spaceships or whatever seems well, to happen it's, it's just a matter of um of uh, you know having enough getting enough money every year i mean they don't have a steady job they have w- this one movie they put all their time into it they don't know if it's going to be greenlit and then if it's going to be greenlit how long it's going to take to finally come out and if they can get another job after that so it's a little bit if you get a series and you like that series you're a writer you can go to work mm. and it's like giving these talents the uh, a field to play in, you know, it's great. And this is a role when you play Mickey, you're like, yeah, I could do this for a long time. I got a lot of places to go with it. Yeah, I, I, Mickey's a very, uh, I, he's an original character. I haven't mm-hmm. seen anything like this guy come along ever. So, uh, uh, and people are responding to that. So, uh, yeah, and he, he can do anything. I mean, you can you can see Mickey doing anything. And he's a good character for, for me to, I found, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, in the very beginning, I didn't know, wh- you know, whether I could, uh, you know, which way I was going to go with it and all of this. But uh, it seems to be very comfortable with me. I think I can do anything with this guy. Well, I think what's great about it is, you know, here this guy at this point of his life, which is a grandfather age, but he's still somewhat rule- ruled by some things that happened to him at a very early age, right. where he was taught, this is what you got to do to be strong, this is what you have to do to survive. Right. And he's repeating those mistakes or life lessons or whatever you want to call them and spreading them out. You know, it's almost that whatever yeah. happened there. He says, I'm a wise man. I learned a lot. In, I learned a lot in the can. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, great. What did you learn in the can? <laughs> so uh, he had a bad child. He learned a lot there. Then he learned a lot in the can. He wants to spread it around. <laughs> but he is a survivor. He will. That's right. He will live. That's right. He's a survivor. John Boy, what a pleasure to have you stop by, my uh, friend. Thanks and, very much. Uh, I'll see you next time coming through. Thanks, Ron. Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind People stopping, staring 
Nielsen singing there. That was from Midnight Cowboy. John Voigt. Uh, make sure you check out his show every Sunday night if you're not blocked by Time Warner. Embargoed. Uh, it's Ray Donovan. Sunday nights on Showtime. He plays Mickey Donovan, the dad. Uh, John Voigt said something so sweet to me, and he go, he looks at me and he goes, Ronnie, thanks for stopping racism in this country. It means a lot to me. That's huge, man. Wait, I'm not finished. What else did he say? He said it means a lot to Angelina Jolie, my daughter, too. Wow. And her husband, Bradley Pitt. He calls him Bradley. That's, well, I guess that's because... Like, he goes, I mean that. That's, a from the, that's from one guy to another guy. One guy saying it to another guy about what that guy is doing. Two guys. <laughs> it's the champ. I want the champ! I want the champ. Everybody's just texting the shit out of me today. That's weird. Yeah, it's great. I wonder how much the squat they were living in in Midnight Cowboy goes for today. $20 million. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, we'd have to go back and see it, but it was probably Soho, because that's where a lot of that was going on. Yeah. And it was some of the most expensive places. You know, those lofts are some of the most expensive places... In New York. Yeah. I couldn't stand to live there because there's just shoppers. Just sh people constantly shopping in that neighborhood. Yeah, nonstop. I'd rather be living there. with fucking derelicts and junkies. Um, we got to take a, uh, a break here today. Yeah. Uh, I get that from the outside because you never want me to break, but I'm best friends with John Voigt now. That's cool. You know, one day, this is about a few years ago, I'm up, and I don't, I guess it was John Voight in Transformers or something like this? Yeah, it was. So I'm walking up near the plaza, just a couple blocks from here. I'm heading on my way home. And John Voight is there, and there has to be 30 or 40 little kids. They're on like some kind of class trip. <laughs> 
they see John Voight, they start going crazy. <laughs> They're just like, oh my God. And he's just smiling. He's, you know, throwing his arms and posing for pictures with these kids. I thought it was the most adorable thing. I'm like, do they even know that they're there with Joe Buck? No. You know, but there's, uh, you know, if you just go by the news, you think that John Voight's always fighting with people because he's very political, you know, back and forth. But in real life, he's a very sweet man. He's a cool You dude. might not agree with him politically. I just know that you snapped at some callers today. Yeah, I did. Over I, race. You had a meltdown. I had. It was a mini meltdown, yeah. I finally lost my shit from all the, the racist calls that were coming in. In my opinion, that people were coming off as racist. And I don't think... I don't know. I don't know if you could just... I wish we could get around the fact of just throwing out the word racist constantly. You know? Yeah. You do that because you're a racist. Oh, I'm... A racist I, against white people. Uh, yeah. Okay. But I love all other races. The Asian man, the Hispanic man, the black man. But what Drudge is trying to do is to turn around the Trayvon Martin thing, which I also thought got really used by those... There are people doing trial porn out there right now where we want to follow the trial as if it was a sporting event and i find it some of the most disgusting stuff happening today i can't watch that stuff it's terrible just fucking jerking off over people's deaths or whatever rape or whatever the trial may be paulo tried to bring up that we should do more of it here you know we, yesterday we were getting around to, uh, even though I'm the man who fixed racism in this country, we can't fix Fez. Polo's been working on it. I was just thinking to myself, we've got even a better guy the, than Polo. Blowhard should be working with Fez. Oh, my God. Somebody that needs to light that candle. And today, Fez came in and has just been, well, we're almost two hours into the show. Has he put together two sentences in a row? No. He has not. And that's even with working with Paulo. Paulo was the magic man at one point. Let me tell you something about Blowhard. Blowhard is the uh, person who can go out of his way to talk about any conversation. Doesn't matter. Um, here's Mike in Boston. You're on the Run of Fez show. Mike, we got you, pal? Try to give us a call back. Hey, Art, what can we do for you, buddy? Hey, Ronnie. I just want to say I've been watching Ray Donovan from the beginning and really enjoyed the uh, interview with John Voight. But uh, if this show does not win a first-year Emmy Award, it's going to be a surprise to me. Showtime's really got it together now with uh, Shameless, Ray Donovan, and Homeland. That's uh, that's, that's quite a trio. So. They got some great shows. They run the Californication and the Don Cheadle get-together. You know, they have their violent shows and then their sex shows. Ray Donovan is kind of a, a bridge between uh, the two. Um, all right, we think we got Mike back. Hey, Mike, is that you? Yeah, hey, how's it going, Ronnie? Good. Hey, so I, I love the Ray Donovan his best show of the summer. It was so dark and great. But I, I think the best thing about that show... Is uh, Ray's brothers. Those guys are so believable. Uh, how pathetic they are, and uh, man, they, those actors are doing a great. Yeah, job. they are phenomenal. But you know, those kind of Irish Catholic guys who have just 
gotten old fast. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the street life really can make you old before your time, and uh, they're just um, uh, incredible. Send Shelby in to me. I know he'll answer back. Oh, young Shelby. I know he wants to talk on the air. He's got, he's got the eye of the tiger right now. I have the Shelby tiger. I didn't even think that it was called that. Yeah, it can be. What's your name, Shelby? Uh, Shelby is uh, taking some heat right now on the eye bang over your volcanoes story and joke. There's a late submission under the gun. Why don't you read it out loud to us and see if you would sell this? Because people are busting your balls about the joke. I don't think they got your delivery down. This is a wire story. Go ahead. Shall we take it from the top? Geologists are investigating a mysterious fumarole, a geyser-like mini-volcano that has opened up near one of Rome's international airports. The closest active volcano near the fumarole is Monte Albani, which hasn't been active in 20,000 years. This could be a new supervolcano, or the Earth ate too many Doritos Locos tacos. Oh, I love the delivery. I think it made. I think the delivery worked for it. You battle back there, and you, you go back online, and you defend your joke. You have every right to. You talk that shit. Yeah, you've got every right to defend that fucking gag. Um, why don't we break here? I'll tell you what we're going to come back to. Now, Shelby, you're new to radio. Yeah. You started radio in the... Ron Bennington's already fixed racism age. Before that, there was a lot of racism. I fixed it today. I'm going to keep, you know, I mean, I'm going to do some touch-up work well, it's gonna in happen. the future. Now I've got another big problem. This is up on the iBank. For years, people have said to me, why aren't you covering more NASCAR? It's the fastest-growing sport in the country. You're not covering NASCAR. Fastest-growing sport in the country. Well, somehow that stopped, and they started tearing seats out of the places, but now ESPN is booting NASCAR Holy shit. off its network, and I got to talk to the fans. What the hell happened? Two years ago, fastest growing sport ever, now no longer a sport. I watch one event every year. I watch Daytona, and I do that because I'm a proud American, and I like tradition. Um, as you know... I'm really great friends with John Voigt. I'm what yeah. he calls his new Dusty. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, he's got By the way, Dusty is something that we in the industry call Dustin Hoffman. But you've never met Dustin Hoffman, have you? No, but I taped Little Big Man to watch again. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman for me was like the first time that I figured out what it, like an actor was. Before that, and I watched a lot of you know movies on TV. I was like crazy about movies when I was a kid. But you would have like movie stars. No. But Dustin Hoffman, you're like, wait, that's the same guy <laughs> as before? Because you know what was on yesterday? It's just fucking incredible. All the president's men. Now I'm gonna. I'm big into presidential trivia. Okay. When that was done when they were writing that yeah it was under the nixon administration oh. so those are the kind of fun facts yeah, yeah. that i come into wow. and that's funny here's another interesting one. Yeah. gerald ford was next uh-huh the only president not to be elected vice president or president 
oh, appoint it president. So that's oh. kind of the fun that I do. All right, when I get back, what the fuck happened to NASCAR? Got to fix everything here. I got, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it one bit at a time, and not just me. Other people, Dusty, <laughs> is going to be part of this as well. Didn't even know he liked NASCAR. But Dusty, you know what I'm talking about, Dustin Hoffman, right? Yeah. Well, now I know. Well, I don't know him personally. I know people call him Dusty. Well, in the uh, industry, when I say the industry, I'm really talking about the business. Right. You know, that's what I'm talking about, oh. the collective business. It's like a family. We all look out for each other. Yeah. Okay? Like you and Dusty and John. Yeah. <laughs> John with no H. Everybody's talking at me. You know, he brought up that scene. It's only a couple blocks away. A couple, like, two or three blocks away. You should go over there. It was up, like, 57th Street, right where we used to work. 57th. <sighs> One issue an hour, and I will straighten it up. Busting out the toolbox. Why not? You know, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to step up. Who's going to fix the world? I am. That's where it starts. <laughs> it starts with me. All right. Some can sit and watch. Let it all go by them. I'm rolling up the sleeves. Next, I got to fix uh, NASCAR. Uh, we break. We're right back. Run a fast show. The Run and Fez Show on the Open Anthony Show. Sirius XM. <laughs> You've been warned. It's the Ron and Fez show, and during the commercial, Chris Stanley admitted something to me that I'm now going to force him to say out loud. That Fish, one of the ver uh, many bands that Fish sounds like, one of them is Yes. Yeah, Long Distance Runaround. There's definitely pieces of that song that I've definitely, you know, it's, it's a jam. So what you're saying is Fish is a prog rock band. At times, uh, yeah, I have to say they are prog rock at times. When they get into those 40-minute jams, they get a little proggy. That is very proggy. Yeah. And it's not a jam if it's the same note over and over. I'm just no. pointing that out. No, no, it's It's a total jam with the entire band, you know. <laughs> like, you enjoy myself. It's great. They play it on uh, Wither Channel sometimes. I don't know what the last thing you slurred was. <laughs> Fish gets played on the Weather Channel. The Weather Channel. The weather Channel. Okay. No idea what that was. Shelby, you defending your jokes out there in Put High my, Bang Land? Put my dukes out. Good. Yeah. 
But you don't ever hear the name Dukes. Big Al Anymore. Dukes. Al Dukes. Dukesy the dog. If I get to the opera. <laughs> 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 mm, do we got that uh, thing yet? For Al? No, not doing that anymore. A lot of times we talk about stuff after the show in the meetings, and then we all say meow, and then we do nothing about it. But we do agree and say meow. Um, here is uh, Mike in Houston. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, hey, quit comparing Fez to good bands. Fuck you, sucker. <laughs> That's actually a good joke, though. <laughs> I really do like that. Uh, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, boys. How are you today? I'm really, really good. Fixed racism, so I feel great about myself. Well, we're proud of you, Ron. Thanks, pal. Uh, the thing with the NASCAR. Uh, I'm already over contract. that. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, I don't even care about it anymore. I don't know why. For a second, I thought I did. <laughs> the news story surprised me. But what were you going to tell me? ESPN's contract runs out this year. And NBC outbid them. Is this the NBC Sports Channel or just regular NBC? Regular NBC. Because there's so... Like, NBC is a sports channel, right? The Fox Sports Channel, I've been trying to watch a little bit and keep up with. I haven't checked out this Fox Sports Channel yet. Well, you got to see the their kind of sports center show. Um, we've, we've got that up on the iBang, the Jay. best of Jay and Dan. They're all doing kind of an old school David Letterman thing. I used to watch sports, Fox Sports Live. Yeah. I didn't even know we were coming on TV. Neither did I. That was a total surprise. So uh, you caught us there. Got us off guard, America. Uh, Jane, Dan. We're an acquired taste, given our sardonic nature and show within a show ethos. Pretty sure you didn't write any of that. That's exactly Sports ethos. Center, guys. He's the first ever Canadian to go number one overall in the NBA uh, draft. But the questions surrounding Anthony. Turn it Jane, Dan. Now, uh, the rumors are that we are going to shoot missiles at Syria. This will be a two or three day war. We may send bombers. I'm definitely going to shoot missiles. And people say, well, what does that mean? I will tell you this. If you have relatives in Syria, tell them to bring in the pool furniture because <laughs> we are going to be, you know, we're dear moms. We drop in bombs. This looks pretty bad. It's hard to know. You know, people are like, well, what side is Al-Qaeda on? And I'm like, I, I can't. Don't like the Middle East. I think they're on I'm both. tired of the Middle East. I think they're on both sides. I don't want to hear Middle East at all. Midwest, I still like. And then Iran came out and said, "If the U.S. attacks Syria, we're attacking Israel." Good, because but here's the thing, <laughs> that doesn't hurt us. Um, no, I'm not. I'm only kidding. But they always say they're going to attack Israel, so I can't get caught up in it. And then Russia and China said, uh, "Don't anyone attack Syria." So Lord knows what they want to do. All right, we're bringing in truth bombs. We're bringing in the truth here. I did the silly pool furniture thing. Let me apologize for that. That was nutty talk. Um, I need to have pools in Syria. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of pools, yeah. It's actually the, the um, pool capital of the Arab world. There's over three pools. Damn. None of the women are allowed to go in. Well, they have to wear their full army uh, blanket outfit. They will drown. 
Oh God! Why? How, how does, does the Middle East hold on to any women? I don't know. I'm just tired of the Middle East. I don't like it. Too much trouble for me, and a little too sandy. Well, Dubai's trying to fix that. I came up with an idea of astroturf, the desert, <laughs> and I think it can be done at a reasonable cost. Let's get on it then. Oh, Seventeen trillion dollars. Okay. I don't think we, no one's got that kind of cash. I also came up with the idea of have the entire Jersey Shore turned into a pool deck. That way you won't have to walk through that sand. Everybody will just go off to a pool deck and dive in. You know what I think that would make us? It's a, Stronger than the storm. The storm's going to fuck that pool deck up. This is uh, big news. I'm going to drop a truth bomb on everybody. RG3 is officially starting against the Philadelphia Eagles. He will not play any preseason. He will go directly in uh, to the first game against the Eagles. I think it's a Monday night game. And uh, face um, that defense and see how he does. Oh, Christ. He can't pop. I mean, I've read that they're, they're, not, they're giving him any design run plays. They just, they just do not want him to run. That they, just, I wouldn't imagine they would want him to run now for the rest of his career. Yeah, right. That it, he'd be a pocket guy. We've got to announce the winner in the caption contest. And uh, I know the winner got sent over to us. Let me see if I can find it. Everyone check their back pocket for it. Do I got the winner? Oh, Chris has it. This is uh, Tony Meatballs came up with. This was the Chris Christie in his high pants. Uh, Tony Meatballs came up with just hanging out, sitting on my balls. <laughs> That's pretty strong line. And absolutely a truth bomb. He looks pretty comfortable for a guy sitting on his testicles. There's no other place they could be, though, but under his ass. <laughs> you saw what it looked like. A completely smooth, non-bulge? It's probably uncomfortable at first, but after a while, it just numbs him out. Well, he's said to the tailor that he dresses in the back. So... <laughs> oh. And I believe that's what the transvestites do, right? They tie it off and pull it back up through their ass cheeks. Some uh, sort of pulley system. Oh. Okay, a pulley system. Oh. I just thought it was a tuck. No! It's actually it's like a apparatus. Yeah, you got to keep it up at all times. You can't. I mean, you don't have underwear tight enough to secure a tuck at all times. It's a tuck, an apparatus, and a lot of tape. I didn't know that they taped off. I think it's a it's a lot of duct tape. It's gotta be bad for the dick. It isn't good for the dick, that's for sure. <laughs> right. But most of them hate their dick. Any luck with Blowhard now is your new guy. Did you talk with Paulo at 9.45 last night? Yes, I did. Did he tell you to be quiet for the first two hours of the show? No, he didn't. That wasn't his advice. What was his advice? Um, I'm trying to remember what he talked about. All right, here's another thing. I want you to get him a notebook and a pen if he's going to go over this stuff. All right. And get down with Blowhard, too. Blowhard can, just speaks well about a, a number of topics. He loves the 70s. He does? Yeah. I'm surprised MTV didn't grab him for that fucking, hey, remember the 70s fucking TV show. I didn't know that they had a show like that. Yeah. They what did all the decades. It was called, hey, remember the 70s before MTV? <laughs> they only do post-MTV stuff. 
I think that might have been VH1. They tend to. Yeah. I do. I have been uh, yeah. asked to do a thing about the 1930s. Back then, we had bread lines. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you wanted some bread, you had to stand in a bread line. We lived in Hooverville. <laughs> do you remember when we used to 23 skidoo instead of leaving? We were just 23 skidoo. There was something called the Dust Bowl. 30s, 30s. <laughs> I remember we'd yell yowsy yowsy in the middle of shows. Cigarettes were healthy. Um, yeah. Well, now they hate the e-cigs. Yeah, what the hell? They're saying an e-cigarette is just so totally terrible for you. But I, I thought everybody's real beef was, with e-cigarettes was... The fact that we were uh, fucking secondhand smoke. Yeah, that's that's why that's how they got it banned. That's how they that's the, was the major fucking campaign to get cigarettes banned in cities and restaurants and bars. But it's water vapor now. They're, now they're just attacking. Oh well, it's just still unhealthy. So that's why we really banned it, which is bullshit. I'm just getting tired of everything these days. Everyone's a fucking liar from Lie Town. Uh, Bill, you're on the Run Fed Show. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, going back to what you were saying about uh, transvestites. Okay. Um, I used to uh, arrest transvestites. I'm a police officer, and a lot of them were prostitutes who I dealt with. Mm -hmm. And they did this thing called the, they called it the ultimate tuck, where they would take a tampon, oh. Oh, take no. the string, tie it around the head of their dick, and then stuff the tampon up their ass. What the oh, fuck? Oh, my God. The ultimate tuck. Guys, <laughs> Fucking sever your cockhead. I just feel like my ankles gave out on me. And I'm sitting down and still my ankles gave out. Oh, uh, so sorry. <laughs> so then they have, alright, so they have a shitty tampon and a uh, fucking tied off cockhead. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. There's gotta be a better way. <laughs> uh, here's Lady Trucker. You're on the run of Fez show. Oh, congratulations, Lady Trucker. Very excited about Pigskin Pick'em. Let's play the new promo. We don't have that yet. But that was something that me that we uh, meowed last night. Meow. Oh, sounds like meow. That was some kind of a weird meeting yesterday. We agreed to everything and did nothing. Well, oh, wait, I just got a email from the staff. Yeah. It says, Dear Ron, go fuck yourself. Uh, listen, I don't know what this staff fucking email address is doing, but I don't, I'm not part of it. You're looking a little stocky today. <laughs> Got your options. I feel like Bud Fo a young Bud Fox. With Bud Fox is more like it. <laughs> yeah, really. Fucking. <laughs> Hold on. My fucking tampon just came out of my Jesus ass. Jesus Christ. And now my dick is loose. Uh, we've got to look into the, the gay mental illness thing, the combination of the two. Yeah, it's fucking, you're, you're fucking tying off your cockhead with string, which has to be dangerous for circulation, which will fucking affect the ability of you to use your body part. I go just the exact opposite of my fucking cock, and I treat it like it's a newborn. <laughs> yeah, right, what the f Like, if I go anywhere, I put it in a bassinet when I'm just talking to people. <laughs> Grab it in bubble wrap, for Christ's sake. Exactly. Uh, there's... Complete respect. Is that that, or it's getting fucking cut in half and turned inside out? <sighs> All right, I gotta talk to my friend Blowhard. Hey, Blow. 
Hey, buddy. I think Pepe Hicks is enjoying the penis talk a little too much. Yeah, that's I'm not true. enjoying it. I'm that's fucking true. freaked yeah, out by it. I was bringing it up. Butt fucking jizz. I mean... True. You're right. <laughs> you're right, Blowhard. <laughs> he does you. it a lot. I brought up Bud Fox, not butt fucking. <laughs> yeah, but for the last uh, how many years now? Every other day, it's jizz and butt fucking. Uh, you love it. You you're love right. it, Behard. You're right. You love it. It's the truth. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm just pointing out the obvious. You, you're obvious. Well, obviously. And says... There was once a time when you were like one of the most knowledgeable people when you and Ronnie B did the fastest hour in radio, if you remember that bit. Yes, I remember. And you had opinions on everything. Rapid fire, shooting it out like a cannon. It was like Huntley Brinkley. It was incredible. Yeah, and he would take me down a peg every once in a while. Yeah, and I'd be like, what? Radio. But I'd be like, but 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 I don't know. It was I remember that was my thing a lot. But 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 I don't know. <laughs> And then Fez would take over and dominate. I never yeah. hit those days. That was like the best radio going. Why can't you go back to that? Just Why don't you do it for like 15, 20 minutes? Just do rapid fire. And just whatever you think about, just shoot it out there. Throw it out there. We used to do that. We used to do an hour lunch that was different from our night show. And we called it the fastest hour in radio. It was just a, a, like, it was like a PTI ripoff, but it was just like with real news. And it was my favorite thing that we've ever done. Yeah, I still think about it, and it was really such a great listen. Would you listener. be able to take a little time every night to talk to Fess? He doesn't want to talk to me, I don't think, but I'm willing to talk to him. Why don't you want to talk to him? I don't know. Uh, that's Blowhard's opinion. I'll talk but, to Blowhard. Oh, but you say it, but you've, you've had this opportunity all this time. It's just happening here today that you're bringing it up. Why haven't you reached out to him when you know that he has big feelings about you and radio? I hadn't thought of it until you brought it up. You know, I'm not going to sit here like Paulo and scream and yell like... You're not like that. I'm not going to be frustrated because it doesn't get you anywhere. you got to just look back at your history, and you just got to get back to where you are. That's, that's all it is. You had a couple of bumps in the road, you got to move on, and let's just try and to Churchill relive it. was a man who thought he was way, a talk show. Yes music, great list. Yeah, well... Bringing me back. I feel like cleaning weed on my album cover. You know, Chris thought that it was fish, so he was happy for a while. <laughs> oh, God, that fish. Jesus yeah. Christ. I know, I know. Fucking I know fish. You know. I'm like fish. Nails on a blackboard. Yeah. Jesus. Give me a that? fucking break. I don't know what it is with you, Peppa. I mean, lately, you know, I, I think the first day you were going to turn the corner, you turned 30. That's right. I'm on the right side of 30. things and really bad taste in music, but obviously you're you not. You have shit taste in music. <laughs> I, I can't hear about Blondie every other, every fucking phone hey, call. Come on, I haven't heard a Blondie playlist yet. I submitted one to you, but you just shunned it. Yeah, you oh, have shunned it. Yeah, I have, because I can't stand Blondie. You know what? Tomorrow, in honor of Blowhard no. fixing Fez, Blondie playlist. All right. Heart of glass. Um, and then we should all eat blondies in here. Yeah. Sounds good. But, you know, Fez has so much potential, and he just wants to sit, all sit on it, and you got to let it Why out. Why are you sitting and on it, Fez? I don't mean to sit on it. But I just get really panicky, like today. Why did yeah, you have a panic day today and an hour off? You had two hours off but you're to start the show. Ass, like the rest of us, just throw it out there. Who cares what these morons think? You know, if, for morons. do you realize that if Fez was black, everybody would be doing, like lazy welfare jokes about him. And that's why I'm saying one th lucky thing about being white is like we're not represented by other white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no we're one not redneck. They don't call us rednecks. Yeah, well, you look at like, yeah, you don't see a couple of fucking rednecks, you know, fucking splashing around in the mud and banging you know, their sisters and <laughs> never go, oh, that makes us all look bad. 
At white people, we could just point at them and yell out, you look bad. Over school shooters, it's not. Oh, every white person shooting up a school. It's true. Epa Hicks is white, but you wouldn't know by all of your black vernacular he uses. True, like, that's, that's, that's true. That's the shit. And like, like, you know, it's true. Too many episodes of yeah. Young Blood. You sold out your own people, I like to say. No. And then he's yelling about racism earlier? Yeah, he was. It didn't fucking sound like, why? Because you fucking agree with all that shit that was fucking being spouted? No, uh, I don't agree with all that assholeholism out there. People good. are people, man. You know, you gotta... To That's people, true. You start looking at groups, said. it's just idiotic. Man, Certain groups, maybe not, but, you know, you, you just, like... You adapt these like slang terms, and you want to be so ghetto and so. Strange. Yeah, he does, yeah, and he calls me babies. Hey, babies. <laughs> that's that's just term of endearment. What that means is I don't know where this conversation is going. <laughs> no, it definitely does. It does. It really does. Gonna, I, I say screw racism, screw NASCAR. That's nice. Screw it all. Who cares? But Fez. There is so much potential still laying there, man. You got to just it. it up and smack it against the wall. He's right about the fastest hour on radio. That was my favorite show that we've ever done all these years. Incredible, and Fez was delivering the goods. He was bringing the goods. Did you like doing that show, Fez? It made me really, really nervous. Why? Because it was working. (laughs) I guess that was part of it. Because you were you were were talking. Maybe it's a fear of success thing. I don't do the advice show because what the hell do I know? I'm a pinhead like the rest of them. The advice show with Blowhard. Fez was like, you know, he was wild back then. He was, he had opinions, and he would attack you back. And oh God, he was on, he was relentless. And I'd be like, buck, 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 buck. Frankite meets uh, Mr. Blackwell. I mean, he was just oh God, all the, over the Mr. Blackwell bits. Yeah, it was great, great stuff. But why don't and, you uh, guys get back to it? Do you have a phone where you can do a three-way talk? No, I don't. Do a little conference call. Yeah, do it with him and Paul tonight. Keep that whole thing going. All right, Blowhard, we'll talk to you later. Fez. Yes, sir. Just remember, it's just a job. Throw it out there. Your opinion doesn't mean shit like the rest of us, but you know what? It's entertainment, and everybody in talk radio knows that good radio means pinheads, assholes, and morons calling up. That's what it's all about. So just throw shit out there and see if it sticks, because you got the talent, buddy. All right. Ronnie B., yeah. It's the good music coming out. Look forward to my Blondie playlist tomorrow. All right, it's going to happen. Thank you, buddy. Now, the yeah, Blondie man. playlist, Hicks, yeah. better not be call me five times in a row. Well, Still call me. Well, that's one idea off the board. I got an idea if you guys are going to, if you're serious about this group nightly thing. What about Skype it or Pal Talk it? That way you can see each other. I could look into that. I'm not sure exactly how to do it, but I could look into it. All right. You heard him. That's a moya. Now, the uh, the fastest hour of radio was we attempted to get as many topics in the one hour as we possibly can. And Fez was like, he was like a beast. He was like a wild man. Fez was loving it back then? Uh, he was hitting three-point J's. How's that tell you? He was getting offensive boards. He was coming right back up and fucking slamming the ball. Jesus. I, w- I would have uh, compared him to um, Lamar Odom, except for Odom went on that fucking crack run. <laughs> well, yeah. They, they, well, TMZ was reporting that he um, disappeared for 72 hours. Three days, him and the fucking glass cock. 
Yeah. Just sucking on it, tickling its fucking crack balls. <laughs> now, later they said, Lamar's people said, that's not true. He's just pissed at his chick. So I don't know what happened. All I say is good luck to you, brother. I hope you're okay. I had no idea he had a drug problem until this shit happened. I thought he was just all happy on the No one knows who anybody has a drug problem. There was a thing, uh, the comedian uh, John Panette went into uh, rehab yesterday for a pill thing. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, everyone's on pills these days, it seems. Does it seem that way to you? Kind of. Like, a, if you, like, it's like a... Say he said, if you said someone's on crack or heroin, like that would be like, oh my god, a shock. But a pill, it's like, oh okay, that's more. Everybody feels like I gotta take my pilly to feel goody about my pill self. <laughs> that's Chris Stanley. Yeah, I and he'll go like this. <laughs> this is my medicine. I go, really? You're snorting your medicine? And then he's just sitting there watching his stocks go up. <laughs> This is the easiest fucking thing to do ever. They just give it to you, and then when the time is right, sell it. Hmm, is it time yet? <laughs> Guess I have to get some more pills. I didn't know that uh, the John Panette was still big enough to put on TMZ for that. Congratulations to him. They put him up as Seinfeld actor because he did that last episode. Oh, that's what they gave Where they were making fun of his weight while he was being robbed. It has to be Froxycon, right? I mean. I don't know what what it is. I didn't ask. Or Roxaset. I don't know. I don't have all the details. Yeah, the same prescription pill problem. They're not going to let us know. Um, look who it is, my buddy, Hard Rock Johnny. Hey, Johnny. Hello, boys. I'd hey. love to get in on the uh, Skype chat. Well, that sounds like a very interesting group, Blowhard and Paul and Fez. Sounds like it could turn into a new football league, new fantasy football <laughs> league. I wish. If only. I think the fastest hour would be... Maybe you do that again, Ronnie. Why don't you do, like, the 11 to 12 o'clock hour tomorrow? Well, Let's Fez, you were goes. just saying you didn't like it. It, I think that's when I really started to start freezing up because I wasn't able to think fast enough for the fastest hour. I think that's where that started. Would you rather do the fartest hour <laughs> in radio? But here, these guys remember it as a great thing. You did great. See, I, I, I remember like screwing it up and like having trouble thinking of things fast enough to say. Is it easier just to sit and watch the show? It's... Um, well, that would be easier, but it's not better. That's but, I mean, true. you don't want to do it because it's too hard, or you say you can't think of it. But you just did two hours of not even being on the air today. That's not good either. Why don't you see if you can do, like, a me the medium-paced hour, and, like, just kind of start out slow with it, and then build it to, like, kind of fast hour, and then eventually you get to the fastest hour in radio. You got the nose jets going now, and you're all upset about it? Yeah, I'm just nervous about it. Like Johnny put you on the spot? Yeah. What about this? We do the same thing, only you don't answer me. And it'll just be one side of uh, a debate, no matter what like it is. Point. Yeah. Just point. No counterpoint yeah. at all. Just point. Or you could just say, yeah, every once in a while, <laughs> as an agreement. <laughs> um... So that could be fun. What if you did like a nature boy thing once in a while, Fez? I'm the nature boy. Woo! 
Woo! I used to wrestle 20 years ago. No. I don't he's think that'll work. You know, he's not. He's not answering you. No. You're in a point show right now. <laughs> <laughs> the only show without a counterpoint. Point coming weekday. Serious sex. You just got fucked in the ears by the fucking half of the most aggressive show in radio. <laughs> The half disc hour on radio. Holy so shit. Wow. Halfy time. It's coming together. Half the show. Oh, like for the good ball half of that air check. Oh. 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 See, that's Sniper. the old fucking fastest hour guy. That's what he would come back with. Sniper shot. Sniper shot. Hit the sniper shot. I don't have that. I mean, yeah, we agreed to it yesterday. Yeah, we did. Didn't get done. Not going to do it. That could be my new impression. <laughs> George Bush. I am. I'm going to just do like, I am not a crook. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Presidential one-liners. Why don't we do a show with uh, Blowhard? Be like this. Remember toys we had when we were younger? <laughs> like, here's one. Jacks. Whatever happened to Pop Rocks and Jacks? You guys never did that break. <laughs> I remember my mom would put spices in our food. Oh. You, oh. You're the oh. Spices. Johnny, uh, is this also a slow week for the hard rock? Uh, it would kind of slow down a little bit. Still. Because... Uh, I came in here by cab today, 75 cents. That's how quickly <laughs> I got through every single light. 75 cents. It is a definitely a slower week. And it's it, tell you what's beautiful driving in and out of the city, though, this week. Oh, fantastic. <clears throat> Up the highway, yeah. back down, no problem. West Side Highway is always nice and clean. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's been fantastic. It's better when people leave and go on vacation. Yeah. I call this time of year third shift. <laughs> <laughs> Half of the craziest hour of radio is coming your way. The Point Show. Uh, here's Mark in Jersey. He wants to be part of this. Hey, Mark. Hey, Fezzy. I got a question. I remember you did this bit with uh, LeBron James's mother, and uh, it was the same as Star Jones' impression, and I fucking seriously <laughs> rolled on the floor crying for like two hours, literally just rolling back and forth and crying and crying. Would you still feel comfortable doing something like that these days, or do you feel like you're a different person and afraid to be a little little edgy like that? Now, I don't think that voice would go over nowadays in today's climate. What? And I would be uncomfortable doing it, too. Is it colder? Rainy? It's rainy? I don't get it. <laughs> Try reliving some old bits live on the air. Oh, it would go a long way to getting you back and jump-starting you. Like you, you always worry that people aren't going to be happy with your humor now. Yeah, or anything. So you just sit and watch it go by? So I... I runs in my head. I always say, the best offense is no offense. What? <laughs> Don't do anything. I would keep going away from them and going away from them. I wouldn't... They say the best boxer is one who, when the bell rings, stays on the stool. <laughs> and just watches the other guy. It's like a robodope almost. <laughs> The stool of dope, really. 
Oh. Makes it seem like shit, does it? <laughs> Seems a little bit like shit. Well. Here's John in Minnesota. You're on hey. the Fed show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing your show for the very first time, and I just had to call in because I was living in South Florida. I was having the worst time of my life. My wife living overseas, and my son and I are alone, and I had to leave him every morning at 4 o'clock, and I just couldn't wait. Great life. to come on the radio in the morning. He got me through some really rough times. Thank you. Well, it's nice to hear. All right, take care, my friend. Yep. Bye. That's very nice. I know, uh, in the case of Chris Stanley, he's put me in some really rough times. Oh, no. <laughs> my life was going along great until I met him. <sighs> that makes you feel bad, then. Yeah. If you had feelings. Why don't you, get part, why don't you part of Team Skype at night? I don't know if there's enough lighting in my apartment for them to actually see me. Keep counting how many cigarettes he does and how many shots. Here's uh, Chris. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Fizzy, I mean, all the characters you do, I man, you should bring them back. Like, remember when you used to do the D-Man and you wanted to get Ruthie the mouth fuck? <laughs> that was great. a mistake. <laughs> uh, that was great. I, uh, that I worked really out great. That. That's what happened to Kyle. My, my favorite character that you've ever done was Z-Man, who came in with all the cigars. Hey, you know what? Uh, you got to tell Z-Man next time he comes by. I'm not addicted to dark cigars. Okay. <laughs> he just thinks that they have to get darker and harsher somehow for me I'll let him to know. prove my masculinity. I'm fine with who I am. I'm not tying a string around the head of my dick no. and then putting it into a tampon <laughs> up my ass. That's not me. Why would you talk about that? Oh. <laughs> um, Howard in Mississippi, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Yeah, I just wonder, Ron, do you ever feel like Fez is cheating you, and how long are you going to put up with it? Well, I have my own plan that I'm going to be also quiet for eight years. <laughs> and get, you know, a little me time in. It's a very, very quiet show. Well, maybe Fez will just go off motor mouth and then, you don't know. Maybe he'll take the... All right, come on. He's not going to put his face in between tits. Unless they're fucking guy tits. Well, he didn't say which kind. I just said motorboat. Um, Fezzi, do you think this comes from you being ashamed of the gay thing? I think that's a lot to do with it. Yeah. I think it's just a nervousness that comes from that. And having the heart attack. And I think there's just a lot of nervousness that took too over. Much? This is too much? No, it's just on. There's a lot of days where I can't get myself together. How many days that you can? Very, uh, one in the past couple of weeks that I can think of. This is a Chris Stanley day. Yeah. yeah. That was a nice day. That was a fun that, day. That was the best day. Well, what is it about ever. the gay thing that you think is there? I think it goes back to why I always worried about coming out. You don't have to. That, um, to anybody, that I just really felt bad about it, and it made anyone else, no matter who they were, better than me, because I was ashamed of it. And I didn't but, feel like, I felt like no matter what I could have possibly said, that you're just a stupid faggot is waiting around the corner. 
And that's obviously still there. But here's the thing. What about women? They suck cock, too. True. So you should feel at least the same as them. And in some cases, better than. Because some of them can't even do it all that well. Get down there. Train that ugly. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Has anyone ever said you're just a stupid faggot? Yeah. Who? Mm, anytime I bring anything up on the air, the callers do. They say you're just a stupid faggot. Yeah, it's, uh, hey, you dumb faggot, why don't you just go suck a cock? <laughs> yeah, it's all that stuff. Shelby. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard it. that. But Shelby laughing just goes to show it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, you heard what Blowhard said, that people are just stupid anyway. But uh, do you agree with them? A, a lot of times, yeah. See, that's the thing. That's the one calling you the names, I think, is you. Oh, yeah, I'm on their side. Okay. Has anyone who ever really mattered to you called said that to you? Honestly, has anyone who really matters in your life said to you, you're a stupid faggot? No. Aside from me now, just then I was just explaining it. <sighs> so then why does it, who cares what those people who really mean nothing to you say about you? What does it matter? I do remember, I mean, this one, I mean, maybe you didn't take it that way, but when Desmond Tutu said it, I was like, Jesus. <laughs> was um, here is Justin, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, uh, and Fez, please don't take this the wrong way because you have given me so many years of enjoyment. But in certain times when you're not performing and, and you know, maybe a, the job is just not a fit for you anymore, you know, have you ever considered just maybe looking at something else and moving on? I really wouldn't want to do anything else. I keep thinking, you know, that I can work my way through this and get better. But it hasn't been happening. But why do it to yourself on a daily basis? I know when I went over a construction site and I uh, said, give me a job doing anything. And they said, okay, you're going to haul block for the bricklayers. Uh, about an hour into it, I said, like, hey, look, I want to thank you guys, but I'm not going to be hauling block. And they said, why? And I go, it's really hard. Don't want to do it. It's very heavy. It takes a lot of energy. These are fucking cinder blocks, and I'm carrying them back and forth, and I don't think I'm going to get better at it. <laughs> Not even more efficient, maybe? Or Uh-uh. If anything, worse. Okay. And I didn't feel like... I just felt like just this isn't something I want to do. You know? Now, if I would have went there and just sat and watched other people haul block. It would not have felt like a good day for me. I felt more empowered to say, I'm not going to be one of the block haulers. And yeah, I'm going to miss out when you guys go out for beers later and wings. But still, my arms up. feel better when I'm not carrying heavy stuff. Um, here is Dustin. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. What's up? Yeah. I got a solution to get Fez back on the air. Okay. Just take old clips from the old show and just strategically insert them into the new show. Especially the parts where he was really hateful and homophobic. Well, I think a lot of your the anti-gay things that you had going, Fez, were because you were scared people would know that you were gay. 
Yeah. Well, you didn't even know that you were gay, though. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it was probably part of... I mean, I didn't realize it, but on some level, it was probably part of, like, trying to convince myself. What? You, you... That gays are bad. Mm. I'm not gay. That sort of thing. It's bad to be gay. whole insult of like fuck you faggot go suck a cock the whole the first part is like very anti-gay but the second half of it's like pushing you towards gay it's a really mixed message it is an interesting thing like if i said to you why don't you go lick pussy you would not be offended by it right i mean how could it be offended offensive if it's something you don't mind doing that's the weird thing uh, it all goes back to this. It real nothing really matters other than what you do with it, and you're not really handling anything all that well. No. To go back to, is this job bad for you? That's that's my biggest concern. That you know you just fucking fall over one day, and then everybody says to me, "You satisfied? <laughs> Are you satisfied?" Why didn't you get them help? Because I feel like I've taken you to a lot of places for help, and you're just as stressful now as you were a year ago, two years ago. I mean, it's the same day, over and over and over. Yeah, and, and it's you, not your fault. But I here's mean, the thing. You didn't start talking today until we started talking about you and your problems, and you didn't talk yesterday until we started talking about you and your problems. And yes, it does make it my fault. I mean... If I if you were in here cutting yourself, right, and I just kept allowing it to happen, it would people would look at it like it was my fault, and I would feel guilt about it. There's no doubt. Uh, and you know, on some level, you're you're cutting yourself. This is a point show that we were talking about. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what to say. Sorry. Don't think, just say. Um, Patrick, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I'm, I'm, I'm going way back, but Flipper, the intern? Yeah. Fez, spend, spend the plane ticket money, get Flipper up there, get some stuff going like in the day, and that might juice up some fluids and let them start flowing again. What, what do you think? Well, Flipper is, was one of the things, because that was a secret Fez love that he would never uh, admit to. And then we used to also laugh about that. That uh, you got a crush on Flipper. And he was like, I do not. We're just friends. But then Flip would go out with a girl and Fez would just be stewing. <laughs> oh, Literally stewing. You said you used to masturbate thinking about Flipper all the time? No, it was weird because I didn't. Jizzing on his ass. Oh, God. Where else are you gonna put the jizz? I mean, it's got a. Well, what about <laughs> mouth? Asshole. How about into a fucking mayonnaise jar, sealing it to throw it away later? <laughs> Is that too much to ask? No, you can't throw it away. You gotta make save sure it. you seal that in a mayonnaise jar. Save that jizz. Um, Chris, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Hey, man, you kind of lead Fez a little bit when you ask him what's wrong. You throw something out there and he grabs it right away. Yeah. Um, you can tell that he's just. 
making this shit up. I there mean, are days that for my own stuff, I'll be like, what's wrong, Fez? Everything that's going on in Africa? Yeah. Yeah, it okay. is. I'll do that just occasionally, just for my. And I don't sh even share it, but I will be like, "What's got you upset, Fez? Everything that's happened on the Big Brother program? Uh huh. <laughs> it does. What's going wrong, Fez? The Buccaneers season? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got me shaking to my core. We all have MRSA. Yeah, yeah. He, he grabs whatever you throw out there, and that's just kind of what he's doing today. What is it, Fez? Trayvon? Uh huh. <laughs> it's Trayvon. Like a month ago. <laughs> but I do think, um, you know, oh, I think it all could work. Do, do, do. Here's uh, GVAC. You're on the Run Fez show. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. How's everything? Hey, good brother. Uh, Fez, I was just wondering one thing that's been really puzzling me. Back in the NEW days, even like outside the studio when we used to hang out a lot at the bars with all the fans. Were you happy back then, or was that an act also? No, I mean, I was happier back then. I was nervous, but I was able to control it more, I think. It wasn't, ev everything wasn't a panic. It was just a couple of things. I mean, panic yeah. attacks would happen, but they weren't it constant. Was, it's just so strange, man, because you were like, the life of the party in and out of the studio, you know? It's, it's just, it's... It's baffling to the longtime fans as well as the new ones, I guess. But yeah, it's it's, it's something I've, I've been wondering about these past Look, couple of years. Gvac, let's face it, fuck the new fans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's oh, lights God. out, party on. That's it. <laughs> Holy shit! I out my nose. Oh God! But really, Fez, I mean, were you happy or were you pretending to be happy? Were you the life of party or pretending to be life of the party? No, I was drinking and I was having a lot of fun. I think I was happy. You yeah. were drinking on the air. No, no, but but you can't act like oh. I thought I thought we were talking about those parties. Some of the parties we were drinking, but some we weren't. You were having fun, yes or no? Yes. Is it from the drinking? Was the mm. drinking making you fun, guy? No, it was just uh, it was fun to do it with the other stuff. Okay, my point is, why were you coming in, bringing up things to be fun? Why were you going out of your way to make everybody laugh? Like, let's just say this off the air, Chris. When's the last time you think Fez told us a funny story or came in to make everybody laugh? It's been a long time. I can't remember. I can't time. remember. I can't remember in this building where Fez came in in a silly mood or came in and told a silly story. I can't remember the last thing that you've ever made up. The last time you've ever tried to be absurd. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. I can't think either. So it's not that you're not that that you're failing at that kind of humor. You don't even attempt it anymore. Yeah, it's it's it it doesn't come to me in my head. Well, you know what the thing I the thing I remember most about back in those days, like when you guys were in studio and like if we were hanging out in the green room or something, the thing everyone used to comment on was like how Fez never sat the entire four hours you guys were on right. the air. He used to be on his toes, like bobbing and weaving, like he couldn't wait to get the next line out. Absolutely. You know what? 
he was he was standing up, he was moving, he had this ear to ear grin, and he was playing off you and you know listeners and and listening to whoever it was Al Dukes, Billy Staples, Dumpy, whoever the hell it was. Yeah, uh, and quite frankly making their life a living hell. <laughs> and I'm saying that from a positive type of way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. making their life a living hell, l like I do to fucking Chris. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, good. Chris just fucked up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, someone's not help happy with Shelby's joke. Please call him in. That would be how Fez was. He had fucking fun with that. Yeah, absolutely. How, how come you start sitting down? I think a big thing of it, a hawk used to be behind you, pushing you. That hawk would have a lot more of the ideas than we ever thought at the time. <laughs> hawk was really good, yes. Love that hawk. That's a good, quick, honest answer, throwing it out, but we don't understand what changed. What What is the difference to having hawk next to you? What was he doing that had you on your... Why were you standing up that whole show, this whole show you sit down? I don't know what the difference is, unless it's just the um, the heart attack and the medicine. That's the only thing I can think of that's different. Maybe that's what it was. This seemed more like a sit-down room, too. <laughs> the way it's set up. <laughs> All right, G-Back. All right, have a good day, gentlemen. Tell you later, brother. Peace. No. Uh, here's Jeff in Alabama. You're on the run of face show. All right. Yeah, what's happening? Oh, I'm just calling about the caller on the on the, the person on the radio. I'm listening to it right now. The guy came out and. All right, turn your radio down, dude. I'm gonna come back to you. He's very confused. Now, haven't you know you're saying some of it had to do with the hard stuff, but. Hasn't there, haven't you ever talked to guys that had like a near-death experience and decided to make every day a good day after that as well? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm going to get everything I can out of life. You never have those feelings, though. No. No, I never got that. I never felt that way, where it just felt kind of like pins and needles afterwards. But do you ever say, I'm going to try to feel that way? I'm going to make today... As if it was like, I need to make this the greatest day. Um, the advice All show. right, stop it, Chris. I'm just trying to help. You know, it's, it's, it is advice. Yeah, it is advice. You know, Johnny always just hangs up without saying goodbye now. He's just fucking gone. Cut a dick fucking move, Johnny. Problem with table three. <laughs> you know what? Jesus, come on. That's, that's fucking good, honest work. And I've been at table three, and I, if I have a problem, I need some stuff. Here's Chris. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Fez, I think you just got to realize that the callers that call up use all these awful homosexual slurs and whatnot. They're doing it just because they know that's the only way they're going to get you involved in the show. We like hearing you. So just uh, take it up with a grain of salt and just get back involved. 
I try not to let it bother me, but for some reason, I guess I have a fear of that word as well as everything else on the planet. Yeah, yeah but the fact that it bothers you is the reason why they do it, because that's, they know that's going to get you back involved in the show. So, you know, you can take it however you want, but just get, get back involved. Thank you. Nothing? Okay. See you. Hey... He what he wanted to do was interact with you, not have you say a sentence to him. He wanted to be in a conversation. You're a talk show host that doesn't want to be in conversations. I just get really nervous and I, I don't, I can't come up with something to say. All right, well, I don't want to put pressure on you. Um, we're just trying to pull you into it. I mean, you didn't say anything for the first two hours of the show, so that eventually comes back to this thing, so you will answer questions about yourself. But do you have any interests now that are outside of yourself? Is there anything in your life that you like to talk about? Um, like, uh, I guess the wrestling stuff, but that's pretty immature, and... And it's kind of, you know, old and hack at this point. I mean, so I don't see where that interests people. I don't know. You'd have to you'd have to make it interesting. I'm not watching, but it doesn't mean that I, I, I couldn't relate on some level. Is there anything that you like to talk about with that that makes sense? Um, I, no, I think it would only make sense with other wrestling fans. It's just... Well, look, people listen to this show that aren't a fan of every single thing you have to give them reason to talk about it other than if it's specific facts then yes you wouldn't be able to do it but no matter what i mean one of the th the great things about sports or film or music is they bring up themes of the human existence and that's what you eventually end up talking about not just the p specifics of that sport or art well, I was thinking with the um, Mika Brzezinski thing that's on the wire, just how, and she's so upset and wants Hannah Montana uh, put down, basically. Mm -hmm. But didn't say a word about Lady Gaga's act there, who, and they were basically dressed the same. It was pretty much the same act from what I went back and looked at. And there's a child star prejudiced in this country that I don't know if anyone's even aware of. The fact that Lady Gaga didn't appear on television when she was 12 years old, it's okay for her to do it, or anyone else. But the fact that this girl started working so young, now she has an entire new level of responsibility well, that's uh, been put on her. Uh, first of all, thank you. Appreciate it. I don't know where we made the lump, the leap from wrestling into this, but uh, I'll go with it. I think for the same reason that we look at our nieces differently than we look at girls. You watched your niece grow up. If most of us went into a titty bar and we saw the little girl who grew up, you know, that our neighbor raised, and you're 40... And you go in there and you see a 19-year-old da girl dancing. You're like, okay. But if you knew her since you were eight, 
you would feel differently about it, right? Right, but I think, you know, when you say niece, that's actually a blood relative, and I think you would feel uh, different about it. Same with the neighbor. I think if I went into a titty bar and saw your niece dancing, I probably would not feel the same way as just seeing a girl. So that's the way we feel about child stars. We watch them grow up. Now, on the other hand, I think she's completely wrong and has been put up that way. But I do think watching kids grow up, we end up feeling differently about them. There's no doubt about that. Um, Chris, you want me to break here for the last hour? We should break. We can come back, pick this up, amongst other things. It's the Ron Fez Show. Enjoying the Ron and Fez show on Sirius XM's Opie and Anthony channel. More in moments. Do the best thing in the world for yourself. Get the hopper from Dish Network. Order Dish Network today and get the hopper. 1-800-WATCH-TV. It's 1-800-WATCH-TV for the hopper. The whole home DVR HD system um, that has the auto hop. Uh, the auto hop is the uh, feature where you can skip over commercials. Everyone hates commercials. The, no, this one is good. This is a good commercial because it's telling you how to get around TV commercials. Those are the kind of commercials you despise that you want to make sure that you can hop over with auto hop from Dish Network. Just push the button once as you're watching your pre-recorded program and all the commercials are skipped automatically. You put down the remote, no more hitting fast forward. Auto hop from Dish Network. It's the hopper. It's the DVR system that the networks don't want you to have. Call Dish Network at 1-800-WATCH-TV. That's 1-800-WATCH-TV. And get commercial-free television. Get yourself the hopper from Dish Network. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day so satisfied I'm on my way. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day so satisfied I'm on my way. It's the Ron Fez Show. Yes, is artist of the day. Uh, we don't plug this enough, but we've got some great contests going on over at the Interrobank. Your chance to win, be involved in the football pools with us this year. Two different ones, the Eliminator Pool, where you just have to pick one game a week. That's it. One block. Lose that game, and you are out of the pool win that game you move on someone's going to win uh sign adrian peterson second way uh despite hicks springing up all you did to do is pick the games without the spread what could be easier i mean if you can't pick without a spread you're a moron ray rice ball in that one that's it go over the interrobang 
You heard our new production piece on it. It's it's hot, it's quick, it's fast, and everybody loves it. Uh, Chris Stanley, you've been quiet as shit today. I don't know whether you're locking up, whether you're afraid because you're gay. Uh, you've had some health issues in the past. I'm straight. I'm loosey goosey. No, no straight guys ever said loosey goosey. Loosey goosey. You had something you wanted to do for us today. It was the five. It's the I gave Fez the big wink, kind of thumbs up for hitting the five theme, and he still looked upset about that. Why wouldn't you take that as a compliment? Well, that's something that shouldn't need a thumbs up. Just should be. Why you hadn't done it for weeks? Now that you're doing it, I think it's great. I love it. Hit it again. It's the five. As well thought out and, you know, smart, brilliant theme. Chris, what's your five today? This is the five. Five people who are going to change the world we live in today, or in the future. The five people who are going to change the world. Jesus? No, these are, these are people that are alive today that in the fields they're working in, We'll change the world as, as we know it. When you say alive, do you mean alive in our hearts? No, no, no. They're walking the earth right now. They're alive. They're breathing. They're fine. They're, they're in, as far as I know, good health. Okay. <laughs> Who do you got? All right. Number one, probably the most famous person on this list, or the one that's most known by people, is Elon Musk. Never heard of him. <laughs> really? <laughs> SpaceX? Is this a cartoon? No, no, no. It's SpaceX. It's a private company that sends shit into space. Not familiar. First company to ever send uh, rockets into space and to launch a satellite in space by a private company. I don't think that's true. I think private companies have got satellites up in space for a long time, like our company has a satellite in space. But this is the first company that's actually... And in, it's not their satellite. They were hired to send it up. Everything else was just the government sending it up, you know... I see, so they shoot ships. their own rockets. They're SpaceX. Yeah, they're SpaceX, yes. Tesla Motors. Sound like terrorists. I don't like the sound of it either. Stop that. It does make me nervous. The SpaceX is a cool name. Hmm. Tesla Motors. I'll give you another cool name. Al Qaeda. That's not cool at all. Okay. It's fucking weird to even announce. Okay, Chris Stanley said that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't just dump out of all that. The last last, like 10 seconds, actually. Tesla Motors. The, uh, he's... This man, Elon Musk, is attempting to perfect the electronic car. So that and there's charging stations. It's mostly just on the East and West Coast right now. But there's charging stations uh, everywhere, at least in these places. I've never seen a charging station. Like a gas station, but they recharge your Tesla motor car? You, you just plug your... You just plug How your many car. cars are out there that Tesla motor has? Yeah, he has... A dozen? No, there's thousands and thousands of Tesla cars. But the problem is, it's getting popular... But he doesn't want to sell them in... He wants to just sell them directly from Tesla. Tesla Motors. So now he's getting hammered by every dealership. So they're trying to keep, 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 keep him out of certain states. Like New Jersey. New Jersey, I know, is one state. So you basically it. just buy it online? Yeah. You just buy it directly from Tesla and they send it to you. They send it to you or you go pick it up? They send it to you. It's nice. Shipping must be ridiculous. I know. <laughs> it is weird. 
And then uh, he also just most recently uh, announced the Hyperloop, which he's not building, but all the plans are out there for. And what's the Hyperloop? The Hyperloop is a railgun that shoots you up and down uh, from Los Angeles to San Francisco at 600 miles an hour. What do you mean, shoots you? It, it shoots you up. On, it's on magnets, and you're going 600 miles an hour in a tube with other people. It's called the Hyperloop, and it's supposed it's faster than a bullet train. And he's released the plans. To, he was just like, "Hey, if anyone wants to make it, go ahead. I'm too busy with SpaceX and Tesla." So your uh, trip to L.A. to San Francisco will take how long? A half hour. A half hour from from San Francisco to L.A. And you're being shot in a capsule of some kind. Yeah. And yeah. what does this railway look like? Here, I'll bring up the diagram. Yeah. This is what the Hyperloop is supposed to this is These are mock-ups. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's just a really cool future train that goes 600 miles an hour. I think I took one of these in Disney. No, no, no. This monorail. Is, no, it's, it's it kind of looks like a monorail, but it's a Hyperloop. It's the future. And how much is this going to cost you? Oh, not much at all. It's going to be very affordable. Oh, good. Well, well, they're building like, I don't know. 80... Well, it's affordable because it doesn't exist. <laughs> As of right now, yeah. Well, they're building a, some sort of um, bullet train from in between L.A. and San Francisco, and it's costing about $80 billion. Elon, according to Elon Musk, it's going to take $7 billion to create the Hyperloop. So this thing is cheap as fuck. Okay. I mean, this guy, this guy's got everything fucking It's only out. cheap when you're comparing it to the other. Seven billion dollars. How can I, he have an idea? Know how much it's going to cost, yeah. but he can't yeah. even build it. He's busy fucking sending shit in the space and selling electronic cars. You're busy too, but you spend the time fucking talking about it. Yeah. You make time. You got to make time <laughs> if you want to be a Hyperloop guy. I think right, he's going to change the world. But this guy is already, as you say, changing the world. You think this Tesla Motors is going to be the future? Yeah. It's the Howard, as they say. Yeah, exactly. It's a Howard. Mm -hmm. Elon's going to be fucking moving to Martha's Vineyard. Okay, good. Uh, what's next? <laughs> All right, next is um, a man called Peter Diam oh. Diamandis. Okay. I don't know this guy either. Yeah, this guy, he's an American engineer. Uh, he founded, in the mid to late 90s, the XPRIZE Foundation. Uh, maybe, you, like, some, sometimes you'll hear about someone offering cash to uh, send shit to the moon. Or so whatever. SpaceX, XPRIZE, a lot of X's in here. <laughs> no, but Pierre Diamandis, he created that in the mid to late 90s. Uh, and now he's working with uh, Bill Gates to create a better tuberculosis cure. And the XPRIZE has been funding funding research for the last what, 20 years and what he's most recently done is created something called the singularity university where it's a think tank with with everyone anyone in technology and engineering to create better solutions for problems in the world pretty much what they try to do is they give out prizes for people who would solve third world problems. Yeah. So if you can come up with a better toilet that you could use someplace or hot water purifier, stuff that you wouldn't normally be able to make a lot of money at, but a lot of people need. Uh, it's kind of interesting, and you think he's one of your five people who will change the world. Yeah, because more than these other guys, he's focusing on bringing a bunch of people together to f to figure out problems. What that other guys? Oh, just other people in the tech industry. Elon Musk was part of one of his uh, symposiums. But it seems like a lot of people are doing it. It's not like unlike 
it seems like a lot of tech people are getting together with stuff. I know there's Ted shows are on fucking constantly. Yeah, Ted, I can't get enough of them. Ted's the shit. Is it? Oh, yeah. I, th I think they let too many people do it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm seeing them get worse and worse. See, it used to be special. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like... Uh, I saw one of the guys was does as a production assistant here at Sirius. <laughs> that guy got a fucking TED talk. <laughs> yeah, that's what's bothered me. What the fuck? God um, damn it! All right, what else you got? All right, next. Uh, this one is I just read about this uh, two days ago. This guy Andre Geim, he's he won the Nobel Peace Prize for Physics in 2010. He discovered a super material called graphene. It's it's super strong, super thin, conducts electricity. It's it's that's good shit. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's it's a, it's a it's a, a future manufacturing product. Uh, people are just starting to grow, uh, starting to grow it in labs. But now, companies all over the world are attempting to get as much graphene as possible. They're calling it like a, a modern day gold rush for this this material this guy found in uh, 2005, which you want to know. Well, where do they find it at then? It's not something that's invented. It's something that's found, like it's, gold. It's part. It's also. It's like. Um. It's derivative of like graphite. So people are just trying to get as much graphite. This shit in a fucking lead pencil. It sounds like we already have a shortage of it. Well, it's highly. It's, it's as, as of right now. It's unstable. So pe that people are trying to. What do you mean? It blows up. Yeah. In times. <laughs> I don't understand this one at all. What's this guy's name? It's called a Andre Geim. Andre mm. Geim. And he invented the shortage of graphite. Graphene. 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 He invented the graphene shortage. Well, no, it's not a shortage. Well, it's people just trying to... said it was a shortage. I think he's onto something. Well, we just found out about it. We're trying to figure get our head I around know, it. But let's let Fez have that thing, too, because okay. he right. doesn't want anybody... You know, the way you're acting like he's like a stupid, you know what? No, what? Another F word. No. But in the back of your tone, your tone came off that way. No. I, well, I apologize. And he was the guy who hit the five thing twice. Yeah. All right, graphene shortage. And yeah, now it's. I gotta get the, more of it. What we should start doing is. I'm like, willing to kill for it. Uh, uh, plenty of people are. Plenty of people are fucking ready to just cut fucking heads off. To get and what this. is it used for again? Uh, manufacturing. They say it could, it could replace copper wire. This is more fuck. This is better than copper wire. So people will be stealing copper wire or graphene wire in the future. You know what? I maybe I'm old school, but copper wire is plenty for me. I don't need anything else. This is better than copper. I'm happy wire. with my copper wire. You see, not, not until you've gotten this graphene wire. Once mm -hmm. you get the graphene wire, you realize your copper wire is shit. But it You're, does the same thing. But better. <laughs> it sits there better. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it conducts electricity better. What do you know? I don't have a lot of trouble with my wire conducting <laughs> electricity. Trust me, graphene's the future, dude. And this guy's the dude's. He got a Nobel Peace, a Nobel Physics Prize for getting for for this. They gave a peace prize to Obama. He's ready to bomb people. I'm kind of suspicious. Science is Nobel totally different people. than peace. Uh, Patrick also wrote in that the Tesla stock performance last year is going crazy. Their stocks are up. I always like anybody who does something like creates a product, and that's why their stock goes up. Not because someone's manipulating the market in some way, <laughs> but actually like, hey, so many people are buying these iPhones that the stock has gone up. It's like a way that you can see stock uh, go up that you can actually understand, not based on some kind of rumors of something that might happen. Shorting another stock. But yeah, based on sales and sales alone That's... and actual products that leave. Well, why would we base anything on that? 
I don't know whether you're being sarcastic or not. That was sarcasm. I meant about the graphene shortage. No, no, there's, there's, we got to start getting ourselves in graphene. There's one, actually, one graphene company we can invest in. We should do it. The thing is, I had some yesterday and I fucking threw it out. Why? I didn't think it was. I I have all this copper wire I still have to use. I got a closet full of it. <laughs> that was a huge mistake. Talk about like fucking future shit, future material. Uh, here's uh, Kim. San Francisco, you're on the Run of Fez show. Pepper, I don't know if you were high when you were doing this list, but why the hell would I want to get on a Hyperloop when it only takes me about 45, 50 minutes on a plane to get to San Francisco for $69? It's going to be cheaper than $69 to fucking jump. And the Hyperloop's going to be much more fucking roomier than a goddamn airplane. Really? Yeah, really. Is there peanuts? <laughs> Not sure there's peanuts. Not sure about that. the concession options. Sounds like a Hyperloop is just a train. <laughs> It's no, it's a, it's like a magnet train. Yeah, but that's still a train. I don't care if it runs on graphene. <laughs> it's still a fucking train. Eventually, one day it will. Look, I love the Hyperloop. And I don't know if I want to be in a train that's going six hundred miles an hour. It's probably more like seven hundred. It's closer. Okay, seven hundred. Excuse me. <laughs> I top that about six fifty. <laughs> if it, any farther, this fucking down. Hyperloop Jeez. is giving me a headache. No, it's gonna be totally fine because you're on magnets, and I can't fucking concentrate. <laughs> I look out the window and I want to throw up. There's fucking houses going by. <laughs> what happens when a kid throws themselves in front of the Hyperloop? No, see, it's all in case, so you don't have to worry about it. Oh God, no, I I, I can't breathe. You're in a tube. Yeah, uh, I don't want to be in a tube. It's good. Be it's like going to San Francisco in an MRI machine. Oh no, no, God, that's no. awful. It's much better Fez than MRI. Is right. No, you can stand up and walk around in the goddamn hyperloop. Just say he's right. You're. It is like an MRI. I don't think you can count MRI as a new mode of transportation. He's right. I can't. Look, see, air cushion. This is arrows pointing down underneath it. Air cushion. I want to say two things. Not only is Fez right, but gay people are regular knock-around Joes. <laughs> Just like us. Everyone's the same. But more of. Uh, Ryan, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, good morning, fellas. Or good afternoon. Uh, Chris is kind of wrong on that Hyperloop. Of course he is. Then what's it fucking run on? It runs on air. It's like when you go to the bank and you put the thing in the, the, the tunnel thing and it shoots Oh, it's up. fucking air hockey for, from L.A. <laughs> Somebody slaps you in the ass and off you fucking go until hopefully you hit a slot at the end. There's magnets on the goddamn track. That guy doesn't know about the fucking Hyperloop. I know about the Hyperloop. Here's Mike in San Francisco. Hey, man, uh, just letting you guys know, I mean, there's one just uh, how long it takes to get to L.A. It's it's not supposed to leave any kind of environmental footprint as far as, you know, pollution. And it, the design is supposed to actually self-generate its own energy, so it's not going to put an energy strain on the on the grid. Yes, guys. Well, I love the idea, but I just don't know why Elon Musk isn't doing it himself. Because he, he also is he the biggest seller of uh, solar power in the United States. So he's got okay. that going. He's got he's got a lot of things going on. He can't be building hyperloops left and right. Why don't you just use gasoline? Just a big tube of gasoline. <laughs> I'm not getting in there. First, it's an MRI thing. It, it's uh, a death circle. We seem to be just trapped on on the hyperloop. What else do you have? All right, it's, all right. This is Kate Taylor Wilson. 
At age 14. From Wilson Phillips? No, 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 nothing like that. Quarterback in the Seahawks and changing the world. <laughs> this is, oh, that's Russell Wilson. Oh, okay. Taylor Wilson, 14 years old, built a nuclear fusion reactor in his parents' garage. That sounds like a problem. That sounds like a problem child. Uh, at 17, he won the Intel Science and Engineering Fair. Let me see what this little geek looks like. <laughs> Want to hear what he sounds like, yeah, too? I okay, don't. here we go. Listen to this shit. It's a TED Talk. Of course it is. Everyone's got a TED Talk now. This kid's like 19. He's got a TED Talk. <laughs> sure. TED Talks are the new podcast. <laughs> By the way, Spanky Frank wants Fez to do a podcast. He said he would set it up for him. My name is Taylor Wilson. I am 17 years old, and I am a nuclear physicist. Oh, which God. Maybe a little hard to believe, but I am. Um, and I would like to make the bang case theory. that uh, nuclear fusion will be that point that the bridge that T. Boone Pickens talked about will get us to. So nuclear fusion is our energy future. And the second point, making the case that kids can really change the world. So oh God, uh, you may that. ask how to... Oh, right. then we all clap. clap. Yeah, children of the future. Me, well, how do you know what our energy future is? Well, I built a fusion reactor when I was 14 years old. All right, smart um, kid. Well, that is I had the a fucking, of my new I owned fucking part of a meth lab at the I same age. When I was and I was the only guy in my fucking area who came up with cutting coke with mannitol. All right? <laughs> Baby laxative. Fucking we fucking stepped on it. You're fucking done with your cash, dog. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this kid Taylor. I stepped on it so fucking bad. Even if I got busted, they couldn't fucking hold me. <laughs> That's getting greedy. I know. <laughs> you want to fucking snort my coke? All you're gonna do is get through shits for 24 hours. It's oh, fucking worse. <laughs> so this youngster Taylor. I don't like him. <laughs> Look, he comes off as a douche. Fucking in his TED talk, and I'm sure in real life he's a douche. But he is working on creating nuclear fusion. We already fusion. have nuclear fusion. He's going to do it. The fucking Three Mile Island. Chernobyl. Mm -mm. Those things are so great. I'm the no. beach. No, 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 no. These, this kid's going to do it a hell of a lot better. If anything, this kid's going to have us living under a dome. No. You mark my fucking words. Taylor wouldn't do that to us. He's got a fucking John Denver look about him. <laughs> Next, Edward Snowden right there. He's going to be selling everybody out. Who's going to sell out? The Is Snowden the one that turned fucking into a woman or the other one? I can't That's keep Bradley, up. Bradley Manning. Is I can't one. keep up with which one was a woman. Bradley Manning. They're both slight men. <laughs> no, uh, Snowden had the yoga instructor ex-girlfriend that. You ever notice you never hear about somebody two hundred and eighty pounds? I think I'm a woman. <laughs> be a hot chick. No offense, Fess. Uh, what else you got? Uh, finally, Stuart Williams. He's the director of the Cardiovascular Innovation Institute, and he believes within 10 years he'll be able to 3D print an entire working heart for heart transplants. So they will liposuction fat out of you and then use that fat and turn it into a totally working heart that won't get rejected from your body because it's made with your own cells. Yeah, but now you got a fat heart. No, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a working heart. It won't be just a fat heart. It'll be made. They'll extract your cells, and they'll, within an hour, is his. This is what he thinks he can do: is he will create an entire human heart, working human heart from your own cells. That's a mind blower. I've never even heard about this. Yeah, he can. He'll be able. To, he, that's he already, He's made lymph nodes for the government, where they he, they just make a lymph node out of someone's cells, and then do what? Oh, uh, it was. I think it was for uh, anti-terrorism stuff. 
is what the article was What are we going to be, shooting them with lymph nodes now? <laughs> <laughs> but that's guy Stuart Williams. He's going to start right, 3D All these are markets. up on the iBang if you want to comment, whether it's add another name or tear Chris Stanley into ass. Bring it, you fucking assholes. <laughs> But the, all these people, we're all gonna, we're gonna be living in a fucking hyperloop, graphene powered, fucking three D printed organs, fucking nuclear fission. Just it's gonna be the shit. I'm ready to check out early. No, I don't no. want any fucking part of it. You want to see this shit's gonna be great? No, I don't want any part of it. It's fucking, it's fifth element shit. Every time I turn around, we're getting closer and closer to fifth element. Hell yeah, I love that movie. That is a fifth element, loaf. When it actually happens, it's probably not even going to seem that amazing. Like no. in the 1800s, if you said, okay, you could take somebody else's heart and put it into your body and you'd still be okay, they'd just be amazed. But now they're like, yeah, that's normal shit. I know. I mean, if you really, I mean, it's 50 years since that speech, right? Uh, that MLK did. If he was back here today and we'd explain to him, no, we each have a phone. That has more power than the biggest computer of the world that you're listening in, that you're living in. And we each walk around on that looking at porn or sports stores. Sometimes we drop them. And, yeah. You know. uh, he would not be able to believe it. The, they used to show those fucking computers were as big as this building that we're in right now. You need a lab coat to use it. I don't even know why, because <laughs> there was no reason for it. It's not like there was anything to stick to you. It's punch card stuff. Uh, all right, you've brought up the five people to change the world, but our own Ba wants to reopen a case on the last guy who changed the world. Ba had to run out. But you told me that we had time. So he left early? Yeah, he left early. Will he be back in time to... He should be back in time. You want me to grab it? Do you want to fight his stupid fucking point, though? Nah. That's another attack it. on Steve Jobs. I love Steve Jobs. I wish somebody would have given us the straight up that he was leaving the building. I didn't know he was going to leave early. <clears throat> well, it's up on the iBank. But we'll have no... Just play the five theme again, would you? <laughs> it's the five This is the five right, what is his point on Steve Jobs? Uh, Bob's point on Steve Jobs was he was an overrated leader, a selfish individual whose sole focus was getting his way at any cost. He's mean. And uh, he felt that Jobs often crossed the line regarding the treatment of his employees, even bullying them at times. So it's attacking I think bullying is the pussiest phrase that we've ever come up with. Even worse, cyberbully. Well, that is even worse. So just calling out Jobs for being a dick. But here's the thing, and again, he goes the same as he did with Martin Luther, 
I mean, uh, Muhammad Ali, he's demanding niceness out of people. He still thinks not, that, too. Not greatness, niceness. Yeah, Apple wouldn't have be what it is today without Steve Jobs being an asshole. Whatever he did, he did it pretty fucking well. All right, well, let me ask you this. Do you, do you know if Henry Ford was a good guy or not? No, of course we don't remember. Because that isn't the important fucking thing about Henry Ford. You know, we don't know whether he was nice to his neighbors. He might have been a good... I mean, if you were a guy and you come up with, let's say, this heart transplant thing is absolutely true, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You come up with that, but you still throw rocks at kids who try to walk through your lawn. Who, what's a bigger, fucking more important thing? The transplants. I see Fez waving his hand. You want to take fucking boss side on this? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I don't know a lot about Steve Jobs, but it's, if, you know... The boss I, said it? I still believe, you know, that there's bullying, that it's unnecessary. Uh, you turned me around. Now I do. <laughs> I didn't get it until then, but yeah... I don't know if your boss yelling at you is bullying. I think it's pushing you. He was known to have like cult-like followers. Like, the fucking people who worked under him of course. fucking loved him. Because he was a genius. So is he a bully, or does he have cult-like followers? That's what I don't understand. Bob believes this guy's just a fucking dick and a bully. I believe Bob's a dick and a fucking... Ham and egg. Thank you. I was going to say pussy or the other F word, but I got to watch it with that. I think that we worry too much. See, a lot of people are fucking yelling at him. Oh, he wasn't a genius. He just ran the company. You could be a genius in business. You just don't have to be a genius at fucking engineering. So we got Angel Steve Jobs and Devil Steve Jobs. Which one is he? How about this? He's probably neither. He's just a regular dude who fucking wanted to be great and start a great company. Then they kicked him out and they let him back. And he made even, even He made him even more money. Look, when he when he passed away, I put up I put up my fucking candle. I put up my digital candle. He didn't even make that phone. Whatever. It seems to me he lived his life like it was a candle in the wind. But uh Larry Ellison said, Look, this was Apple with Steve Jobs. Then he left. It was in the shitter. He comes back. It was great. Now that he's dead, it's going back into the shitter. <laughs> he seemed to be the guy. The guy with vision. He was the guy. No one else. Everyone else around him was fucking doing the shit he was telling them to do. And then people get mad at that. Yeah, people hate it. Steve I, Jobs would have made that Hyperloop work. I bet. Hyperloop. People had two of them. Like a baller. One from the past, one that whips you into the past, the other that whips you into the future. Man, a lot of people down in D.C. for the 50th anniversary, huh? Oh. Jimmy Carter is the new fucking MLK. He's talking right now. I remember when I was president, everything was perfect in this country. I mean it. It was great. My name's Jimmy Carter, and I'm the greatest president who ever lived. Oh, one more thing. I don't think this hyperloop is going to work. Come on. We need copper wires. How the fuck is he weighing in on it? Because <laughs> we we need copper wires like I had in 1978. No, we need graphene fucking wire and we need hyperloops. Oh, one time I brought 
uh, Willie Nelson to the White House, and he smoked pot there. That was cool. That was cool, but still, it's fucking Jimmy Carter. Don't shit on me. Remember, during my administration is when Saturday Night Live started. And Star Wars. So fuck all these other presidents. So he's taking credit for Star Wars. That's just presidential trivia that I like to do. I mean, it's good trivia, yeah. but he shouldn't be taking credit for those two shows. Or one show, one movie. Oh, and another thing. After Reagan replaced me, I heard he used to take big shits on his wife's chest. But no one ever <laughs> fucking brings that up. Fuck. Smell my wife's chest. It's fucking perfectly shitless. <laughs> One time I peed on her, but it was in the shower and just on the back of her feet. And I just wanted to see what it felt like. We both were ashamed. <laughs> anyway, the important thing is Martin Luther King is still alive today in our hearts, in our fat-trained hearts. Our 3D fat-trained hearts. I'm fine with that. Look at them celebrating Martin Luther King down at the bottom. Just fucking... <laughs> no, that's not... <laughs> that's Miami Hurricanes dancing in the streets. Shit, man. I don't understand the hate for Steve Jobs. I can't believe that Bob didn't fucking badmouth Martin Luther King today. <laughs> you know, we should really look back at what Martin Luther King did. And what... At one time, I heard he said something mean to someone. He littered once on the campaign. Yeah, Bob's thing is, a human being has to be 100% perfect <laughs> to be good at all. Just like Bob, right? 100% perfect. Now, do you think that we will get back to the point with this bullying bullshit that people are like, Vince Lombardi was a bully. Dick Vermeer was a bully. He yelled at people to move their fat asses. George Washington made them cross the Delaware. It was cold that day, though. And then he fucking killed a bunch of Englishmen on Christmas morning nice. while they were sleeping. <laughs> That's some fucking harsh shit to pull off. Oh, gee. They'll never suspect this. We'll kill them while they're <laughs> dreaming of Jesus. <laughs> we'll send them straight to fucking British hell. <laughs> right, guys? He fucking jerseyed every one of those pricks. <laughs> then we're going to steal their guns and their fucking shoes. Because it's fucking cold out. <laughs> right now I put on a fucking pair of size sixes. My fucking feet are so cold. <laughs> yeah, George Washington was a badass. Was he? I thought he was a crazy old fucking cross-dresser. <laughs> I didn't know he was a cross-dresser. Now look at the fucking wig. That was just a time. Yeah, it was a sign of the times. Yeah, cross-dressing. Teeth made out of graphene. <laughs> no, not... There's that, a shortage of that. Not back then. Look, Bill Clinton's up. Everybody talks about Jimmy Carter and what a pr great president he was. Well, I fucked a fat girl in the Oval <laughs> Office with the end of a cigar. The lid end. So fuck all you people. Oh, by the way, my wife's going to be president. And I'll be back and I'll get even with every one of you fuckers. I don't feel like you're honoring Dr. King. I am in my own way. This is what he would have wanted. Look, I fucking was from Arkansas. And my mom used to date black dudes. So don't <laughs> fucking act like I haven't seen shit. I heard her getting railed one night. And yeah, right. I'll admit, I started jacking off hearing it. What? But my it, kids are here. It wasn't so much because of it was my mom. It was just that there was sex going on. <laughs> <laughs> fucking horny dude, Bill Clinton. Oh, and another thing. I'm still president. 
Wait, what? You heard me. I got fucking puppet strings around this Obama. Look, Clinton looks great. He looks thin. Fucking face is as red as if he was fucking smoking crack all morning. <laughs> <laughs> Look how red the face is. You think he's playing Lamar Odom or fuck? Fuck yeah. He's a sports fan. Here to honor Dr. King, a bunch of white guys talking. I was one of the few white people who really got King. They say I was the first black president. Well, that's not true, but I got two black kids. Looking back on that, it's crazy, right? <laughs> it's fucking overreaction. There was always a rumor that his son was Barry Sanders. Holy shit. That makes him fucking the shit, then. Craziness. Barry Sanders on the cover of Madden 25. Fucking man curses in full effect right now. You know, well, the curses, he's got to do that bad fucking commercial where he's disappearing out of a goddamn oh, yeah. barbershop. I think it's just hideous. Don't even try to run it. I'll go fucking crazy and start <laughs> breaking everything in here. I'm loving this fucking back scratcher. It's the shit. Back scratcher, Scott Massager. I can't believe that people carry around phones but not back scratchers. When you think about it, what do you need more often? What if what if you open, someone opened up like a scratch parlor? You just have fucking. All right, keep talking. Right. I'm ready. I'm open minded. Right, okay, this. So instead of like a fucking massage parlor, it's a scratch parlor. Jesus, scratching fucking, your cock, it, scratching your balls. Well, no, Scratching your ass. There can't be any All sex right. going on. <laughs> We're sure. going to get fucking busted fucking real quick. Hold on. I'm waiting for you to wink at me. No, there's no winking. There's no sex. It's just a scratch pole. You go there to get your fucking back scratched or any other fucking party body scratched. Like your cock. I guess you can get your cock scratched, but you can't come. I don't know. I have to work this out. I'm just saying. A scratch pole. What if you come in a mayonnaise jar and save it? <laughs> Promise to take it off fucking premises. I guess we could provide. Fez, when you hear people talk like this, you're just like, I know this is going to turn anti-gay in a second, huh? Well, I, I wait for it from Chris Stanley, yeah. Come on. You know what you are, Fez? I expect it. You're fun. <laughs> That's the thing about you. You're a fucking fun guy. I'm always saying to people when we're out, I go, we ought to swing by and pick up Fez. There's a fucking barrel of laughs. Like, a lot of times he'll show you all the different medicines he has to take. Uh, the chart on how his blood pressure is doing. Fun. You're not fucking dating anybody still, huh? Not at the moment, no. You haven't fucking dated anybody the whole time you've been in New York. What do you mean, dated or... Yeah. No. What else would there be? Hook up. Who'd you hook up with? Oh, shit. Nobody you know. Yeah, nobody that exists. <laughs> Facebook, show us on Facebook right now. Yeah, Facebook that fucking bitch. I want to say her. <laughs> you know your Facebook friends with her. Everyone's Facebook friends. All right, let's go back to your fucking scratch pad. Yeah, scratch parlor. So, okay. So you go in there, check with a long nail, scratches your fucking back. Yeah, scratches your fucking back or your arm. Whatever we want. Whatever fucking goddamn itch needs to be scratched, I'm okay, going to scratch your That's fucking... great. That all feels good. Yeah. How much actually get blown? <laughs> There's no fucking blowjobs. 
There's no blowjobs. There's no hand jobs. It's just scratching. You just go in there and you get a nice scratch. Scratch job. Thank you. Well, would you let a dude scratch your back? No, I'd, r- I'd much rather. I'd, if they, I need a chick to scratch the back. I don't want a dude scratch my back. Have you ever let a dude scratch your back? No, I, I've just tried to think. Because this has never come up in my life, but no, no man has ever scratched my back. I would never ask, yo, Shelby, or yo, Pips, fucking scratch. I got I got an inch real bad. But you do that with your chick, right? Yeah. You'll like, say, would you, you scratch, scratch my back? back, please? Thank you. But you would never do that with your friend? No. I, I A dude friend, no. A female friend, yes. A dude friend, no. It's I a would, very odd thing. I never even thought about it. But we don't let guys scratch our backs, or would even ask. No, no. <laughs> Seem fucking. What if at the scratch parlor you went in there and there was a guy with really long nails who would do a great job, and a chick with very short no nails? You already know the answer. You can make it up all you want. You could say that the fucking chick had bloody stubs, yeah, and the guy had the yeah, fucking no long slender nails. But you know the answer. Have you ever asked the guy to scratch your back? I think Earl. Earl has scratched my back before. I don't believe that. We should call back Earl. Yeah, call back Earl. Call Earl. We, this is very important. No, you feel like... The <laughs> fact that you're saying, I think, well, this should be tattooed on your mind. The one thing that you will always find out about, Fez, and Earl will do this as well, is they'll never go definitive. You'll never be able to hold them to it. And that was part of the fastest hour, that you had to be definitive. You'll never hear a show of called These Two Guys Aren't All That Sure. Tonight at 6. Two guys that are confused. I don't know. Is Ghana in Africa or is that an island nation? That's an island nation. Or is it? I'm not sure. Syria might be having some issues. Here's what I think. Something's going to happen, but I'm not sure what. Or where. Or where. Uh, We got her all back. Should he be at work? Hey, Earl. Buddy. You been having TV on, seeing all the ex-presidents coming out? Yeah, I'm kind of I'm watching it now. I'm hoping to see a Republican ex-president come out and say that this was a good idea. <laughs> we haven't seen that yet. Uh, Earl, do you think it's gay for one man to scratch another man's back? Do I think it's gay to scratch? No, not at all. So you yeah, have... You've got to itch... You've, you have an itch like that square is back you can't reach. Why not? You've scratched Fez Watley's back before. Um, I think so. I don't See, there I don't they remember. go. <laughs> I said they were the same way. I think. By the way, I think so is never enough to convict. <laughs> but you don't find it gay for one man to scratch another man's back. No, not at all. What about? I mean, I mean, it's like it's not. Yeah, would you scratch another nothing... man's ass for him? No, 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 you, no, no. <laughs> but, but, no, but he's like, hey, I can't reach, you know, can you scratch that? Well, hey, what if you said this? I can't reach my tank. Could you get it for me? I'm not going to hit anybody's tank. Would you scratch Johnny's scratch. back? Yeah, if he said that. With your dick. I can't reach. <laughs> no. Hardcock. Hey, what's happening with your job? Everything okay over there? I'm fine. Everything's great. Yeah, Johnny's been acting weird. Hey, wait, what? Yeah, get to the bottom of it. All right, okay. so they don't know if they've ever done the back scratching thing, but we believe there is a possibility. Well, Earl, I do appreciate it, uh, and uh, talk to you later. 
Peace. All right. Take care, buddies. Uh, Andrew, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie Fez. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Hey, listen. I remember back in some of the JFK days and what have you in D.C. when Fez had the caddy moments, the pre-recorded vicious teeth on the sharp thing. So if you don't go for the whole hour, can't Fez come back and maybe get back to the caddy moments? Those were, those were kick-ass. It was a lot of just calling women fat. Oh, come on. But, you know, that's... Which doesn't seem right to me anymore. Would you like to apologize to women, then? I apologize to any woman I called fat. Now they have Mr. Potato Head speaking at the... Oh, come on. I remember <laughs> when I first my face was put together. It was fantastic. First, my nose was put on a, a real potato. I think that's Martin Luther the Third there. Ooh, it just got pixel real fast. Got weird. <laughs> so you don't want to bring back any moments, Fez? No, that's that's looking too backwards. But when you take something else, aren't you out? Aren't you supposed to replace it with something? You're supposed to, yes. Okay. What are you replacing it with? Um, I I don't know yet. I have to think about it. How long have you been thinking about it? Just now. And how long ago did you drop Caddy Moments? Probably about five years ago. And so we're just thinking about it now. Yeah. Because why? The fi five I years. I got reminded of it. Didn't dawn on you. Mm -mm. No, I didn't think people liked it anyway. What people? Listeners. I didn't think anyone liked it. What are you basing that on? Um, they would just say it was just a different version of a fezzatorial. Okay, so why why not the fezzatorial? Attacking fat women? Yeah, I guess it was just to... Um, Why'd you drop the fezzatorial? I, I don't know. I guess I quit thinking of what to say in them. It's the guessing. It's always a definitive thing. I wish I was down there selling Got MLK shirts. You know, like the Got Milks. <laughs> I think I'd make a fucking fortune. Of course, I'd probably get them all stolen off me. <laughs> well, by white people, I mean. White people still down in D.C. Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the worst, worst white people I've ever seen in my life. D.C. whitey? Yeah. The vanilla suburbs. Chocolate City and its vanilla suburbs. I had no idea crackers were so bad down there. Oh, yeah. They're hideous. Um... Here's Lady Trucker. Hey, Fezzy, do you really sincerely apologize for calling me fat? I will apologize for calling you fat. I think you're still annoying, but I'll apologize for calling you fat. What's the worst thing you ever said to her? I think I called her an 18-wheeler or something oh, like that. Oh, Fez. So you were wrong. I was wrong to call people fat. Well, 
Um, here's Dave. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Fezzy. Yes. I was wondering, do you think maybe before the heart attack and after the heart attack, do you think maybe you've grown and matured and maybe like grown though, you think? I didn't understand. You've outgrown the show because oh, you're I don't think so. I think I've just had like a weird personality change. Well, but you're now saying that the things that you used to do on the show and we used to do on the show now seem unfunny and beneath your maturity level. Um, no, I just feel, I would feel, I don't think it's a, uh, a maturity thing. I think it's just, I would feel weird doing it. Like the Star Jones voice that got brought up earlier. I would feel we really weird doing that. Well, let's hear how you did it. I'm fat Star Jones. Look at me. I'm so fat. That was cool. Yeah, that was... Well, uh, how did you do it? It was kind of like, uh, this is Star Jones's diary. Now, why would you do that when she didn't even talk that way? Because it was just a stereotypical voice. Stereotypical of what? Of like a, um, I guess a black woman. And what black woman ever talked that way for that to be stereotypical? Uh, Geraldine from Flip Wilson. Was that a woman? No, that was him being a woman. So your idea was to steal from Flip Wilson and then give it another name. But he's going to the stereotypical, but we're going, where did it come from? One specific comedian <laughs> who I just completely lifted it from. Sounds like you owe Mr. Flip Wilson an apology. If only he was alive. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Danny, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Fez. Yes. Hey, a long time ago, you hurt my feelings real bad when you called me a fucking dick, and I was wondering if I could get an apology, too. No, I'm just apologizing to fat people today. I'm kind of fat. I'm kind of fat. Yeah, I didn't. Ca I don't remember calling you fat. So you don't get an apology. Oh uh, well, that hurt my feelings. All right, my fat. Here's Liz in Jersey. Hey, hey guys, how are you? Listen, Good. there's a whole group of us down here who enjoyed Hurricane Sandy down here at the Jersey Shore, and we love you guys. We listen to you all the time, and. uh we, we want Fez to start doing his Fez tutorials again. We decided he's got to do a journal every day. So we want him to go home at night, do a journal, write down the things that are funny and, and interesting, and, and do some kind of journal with it. And I think it'd be great for Fezzy. We love him, and we want him to be part of the show. Uh, I love it. You think there's any old Flip Wilson bitch you can do? Probably shouldn't do that anymore. Dear Diary, well, well, well. I'm going to get my black ass over there like Flip Wilson did. I'm Star Jones. What a thing to do on MLK 50. Oh, God. Who's this with the hat on? His sister. Mm -hmm. Great day. Great uh, great numbers of people out there, though, huh? Really still can sell the place out. They would do so much better without that water in the middle of that place, though. Be a lot more room for people. Oh, that's it for us. I want to thank uh, 
Bob for that bit that he did today. It was stunning. Just got back. Ah, Bob went over great. Fuck Steve Jobs, right? Yeah, we got him. Fucking we got we let's, got that fat bastard. We got fight. him right in his fat hole. Let's rest in piss, Steve Jobs. Fucking see you in hell. You know what? I hope people understand that you're joking. I always like to zoom better. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys something. And uh, that's the end of my show. Donk. <laughs>